What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Inside Dirt show on the Inside Dirt Network. Before we get to the show, I've just got to give a quick shout out to all of our sponsors and supporters. We appreciate you guys listening to this bit. Please support the guys that support us. The Inside Dirt show is brought to you by the following brands. Recoverate. Expand on your body's ability to recover, heal, and excel in your chosen sport and lifestyle. Used by AORC and ISDE multi-time champ Dan Milner. Pro MX2 class points leader Kyle Webster and the 2015 MX1 champion Kirk Gibbs, just to name a few of the riders who are using and winning with Recoverate and the new hydration supplement in the R8 range, which is Hydrate. R8, more than a supplement, achieve your personal best. Go to recoverate.com to check out all of the products and the latest deals that will help you beat arm pump, hydrate, and recover better when it's time to go racing or riding. Inside Dirt Show is also brought to you by MX Wraps. MX Wraps are the market leader in race-ready, semi-customizable graphics kits direct to the rider from their website. They have industry-leading materials, and I myself have fitted hundreds of graphics kits in my lifetime, and I can safely say that these kits go on easier, faster, and better than any other kits I've used. This isn't a sponsorship plug. This is just the truth. They fit like butter every single time. Visit their website to add your numbers, sponsor logos, and rider ID right now to 100 of pre-designed kits. If you go to mxwraps.com.au, the Honda factory range for the 2021 CRF 450 is just one example of how good these pre-designed kits look. Throw your details in there and you are good to go. Visit mxwraps.com.au for more. And finally, ID Media Group is also bringing you the Inside Dirt Show. ID Media Group is the parent company we have here that brings you the Inside Dirt Network and provides brands, events, and athletes with management and innovation across digital marketing, branding, business development consultancy, sponsorship activations, unique content creation, and more. Used by brands and events such as Gas Imports, Thor, and Michelin Australia, Recoverate, ProMX, Raceline Performance, MX Wraps, Loneworks, and many more, along with athletes and riders such as multi-time AORC and ISDE champ Dan Milner, social media star and all-round athlete legend Jack Simpson, and Primex Privateer YouTube entrepreneur, just to name a few of the guys that we represent here at ID Media Group. Contact info at idmediagroup.com.au for more info on what we can do for you. And with that being said, cue the music, let's get to the show. Alright guys, welcome to the Inside Dirt Show, a long overdue edition of the show. We've been busy with AMX Moto Online Primex recap shows and all things here at ID Media Group, but we've got a banger of a show tonight. Um, before we get to the guests, let's get into our co-hosts, Mr. Andy, five-time AMA amateur champion, <laughs> bit of an abbreviated Australian pro career, Dinicole. AD, what's up? Oh mate, not much, just uh, come from work. Been a big week, but um, I'm doing well. Doing I'm, good. Uh, I'm, I'm a happy man at the moment. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm yeah? good, man. I'm good. Uh, we've got an exciting show tonight. Um, we got a very short intro because we have uh, the the guests coming on uh, from MHGP Euroland, and there's a time difference, and we're on a schedule. But I will introduce uh, Donnell Official, producing third wheeling. 
talking talking the smack that he does. What's up, Darnell? Yeah, no, nothing. I'm good. I'm just uh, getting ready for this one. Should be a good one. Should. So let's do it, guys. MXGP edition. Um, we had the Team America music when we used to do the American shows. Unfortunately, there's no MXGP music we can come up with, but uh, it's going to be an exciting show. We have uh, Rockstar Energy Husqvarna right up fresh off his podium at Oss, the GP of the Netherlands, Jed Beaton, Australia's own. That's going to be an interesting one. I cannot wait. Yes. Lots lots of colour. Cool. Lots to talk about. Massive. Um, also want to talk about you two being our junior rivals. Yeah, yeah. Grew up riding with Jed and mm. actually did a lot of training with him uh, growing up. And Dude, yeah, I, I'm actually still to this day a good friend of his and we still chat online. I mean, he's over in, I think he's in... He's the based in Holland. Yeah, yeah Holland yeah. at yeah. the moment. So, um, you know, pretty far away from Australia, but nah, still uh, in, am in contact with him, and it's good to see him doing so good at the moment. So it's going to be great to catch up. It is, it is. And then we also, I managed to wrangle Mitch Evans. Really? For the show, HRC Honda's Mitch Evans. So this is why this is the MXGP show. Uh, obviously, Mitch is back in Australia right now, had some surgery. Yep. So we're going to get caught up on all things Mitch Evans. And then also, um, I've been going back and forth with Wilson Todd on Instagram. We might get Wilson Todd on as well. That'd be sick. Like, he sent me a number to call him on, but we didn't specify times, and we're going to see. So, no promises, yeah. but if we don't get Wilson on this show, uh, we'll just do a one-on-one with him, or we'll get him on the next show to catch up. Yeah, so definitely. There's a lot of Aussies over there at the moment in Europe. Yeah, there is, and there's there's more. Like, I, I messaged Bailey Malkowitz. Yeah. Uh, his schedule didn't line up to get him on. Um, there's also Talia, uh, the young girl from WA over there, yep. um, which we still need to get her on. Um, and have a chat. I, I spoke again with her dad the other day. Um, I want to get her on. So that's what five Aussies in MXGP right now. Joe, you know, you know what I love. I love seeing Aussies doing well overseas. <laughs> yep. It's probably one, one of your favorite, favorite things. things. Yeah, it's one of my favorite things, if not the favorite. You know, it's a long way from home. We're pretty isolated in Australia, so for people to go <laughs> over, especially at the moment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, for people to go all the way over live their own lives. They're, I mean, they're speaking different languages over there. You know, like, it's not like going to America. It's completely different, you know? It is a big... And I think that's some of the things we can ask these guys. Like, you notice how Jed and Mitch have both got, like, the Euro long hair going on now? and they're Well, just like, you know, he's he's had a third-generation mullet, young Jed Beaton. <laughs> and I think that speaks volumes for his podium during the week, which we'll get to. Yeah. I mean, but, Rat, um, Rat Beaton really did... Uh, he's did a pioneer. Pioneer of, that. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so it's beautiful to see, and it's good that he's uh, carrying on the family lineage, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I never looked at it that way. Yep. Yep. Um, all right, what time we got here? It is a short intro, like I said. It's like, Let's just get straight into it, because he's on a schedule today. So uh, we're going to call Jed Beat. Now, now, disclaimer, um, WhatsApp is what we are calling uh, Jed on. Never done a, an outbound call on WhatsApp with the podcaster. Um, so Darnell... Uh, let's see how this goes. We'll find out. I'm a little nervous. Don't. Oh, don't do that. Okay. Don't touch anything. I'll just. Sorry. I don't know much about WhatsApp. Tell you what, technology really does get the best of me at the best of times, you know? Mm. So to update everyone, we are watching the screen <laughs> on the WhatsApp app, watching Jed uh, Beaton get dialed out to, and... I think we've yep. got him now. Jed, is, can you hear us, mate? Yeah. How you doing, yeah, buddy? Yeah, I'm here. Um, good, mate. Good. Sorry, we're, it was the first time we've dialed out on WhatsApp to, to go through the podcast system, so it was a little bit of a, a anxious wait there to see if it worked or not. 
<laughs> yeah, sorry about that. I didn't have me phone on me. <laughs> no, that's all good. Yeah, you're you're su- like super Euro now using WhatsApp and everything. That's um, that's that's funny. Oh, uh, it's so complicated, eh? If you don't have WhatsApp, you can't contact anyone. So it's, uh, <laughs> you have to you have to roll with it over there. Difficult, yeah. You actually yeah, don't. You don't sound any less Australian though, which is good to hear. No, that is one thing that I can't stand. It's it's actually that hard to have a conversation with someone over here. If I see an Aussie anywhere, I'm that pumped because I can just speak normal, not like half retarded. Well, you know, a lot of a lot of the guys in Europe for years end up adapt. I call it like European English, where they start speaking in like the it's English, but it's how the Europe speaks English. So they, they... yeah, well, actually, it depends who I'm talking to, whether I'm doing that or not. To be honest, sometimes the, some of the mechanics on our team and stuff they. They don't understand shit. So um, <laughs> if I have to, I have to do it for them to understand. So other than that, I try to keep it pretty pretty Aussie. That's awesome, man. Hey, Jed, we've got um, <laughs> got one of your old junior rivals actually here co-hosting with me, Andy Dinicole. Big fella. Yo. Hey. How's it going? Good, mate. How are you? Yeah, good, good. Ah, good, good to hear. And uh, Darnell, uh, Darnell is here hanging out as well, Jed. So he'll say good day. Um, so, yeah, Jed, we, obviously, let's have a chat about everything. Uh, you know, MXGP. We've got some listener and uh, user questions that we'll go through. Darnell will read those out to you in a little bit. That um, we put it out in the socials today that you were going to be on the show. So we've got a bunch of questions from everyone that wants to hear from you. And uh, yeah, yeah, let's let's start with Os, man. So look, two three Moto scores second overall. Um, that's got to feel pretty good. Yeah, honestly, it's um, it's been like a pretty tough start to the season for me. You know, it's uh, at at the very beginning, like I went and did a, a little off season race in Sweden, and um, yeah, I, I was like, I don't know, I was struggling a little bit there, but I mean, I tried to turn it around on the Sunday, and then uh, I got a good start, and then I went down like halfway through the first turn and got ran over, and then. Um, yeah, I broke my little finger and, like, some ribs in my back. Um, and then, yeah, I tried to keep that pretty down low and then didn't get much time on the bike before the first round. Um, so, in the end, that's a little bit, like, I wouldn't say, like, yeah, I'm not going to make an excuse. I obviously stuck the first few rounds, but just didn't didn't have the time that I wanted, you know. It was, like, I had a really good off-season. Everything was going to plan, and then I went and did some little off-season race, and then, yeah got hammered there so um honestly it, it was all going to plan until then so um yeah I felt good and then yeah I just I don't know it was a little bit damage control for the first round uh honestly had like one week on the bike and then um I think we had like one weekend off in between so I actually didn't get much riding done in between the first and second round either because I was trying to heal up heal up the ribs a bit um and then, yeah, I went to Madeley. Also, like, I pulled a pretty good start in the first moto and then was felt like I was riding comfortably and then had a huge one on the, one of the downhills. And, like, oh, I was real close to knocking myself out. So, um, <laughs> I, um, yeah, pulled out of that race. And then it, it was been a bit of a struggle, you know. And then... Uh, yeah, it looked like, I mean, even in Russia, that, you had, that, had that, big, that... Uh, that big crash in Russia as well where you got collected right with the um, off that finish jump that was claiming everybody. Yeah, it was like, I don't know, I went to Russia and I was like, yeah, let's just get through this, you know, like, I didn't really have a result in mind, I was just like, yeah, just get through it, get some points and then we leave, but honestly, that that was a, 
yeah, shitty track and then it was pretty sketchy. Um, and they'd thrown some water down on like, uh, on like the concrete that was pretty much there. So like even the 450 class, I think like eight guys went down on that jump and they didn't even water in between. So you can imagine how slippery it was with a bit of water on top of it. Yeah. I just remember watching like, yeah, Kyrolli just uh, went down in front of me and we just jumped into each other pretty much or like I tried to avoid him and went down and then there was just people going everywhere. It's been a thing, man. Like honestly, it seems like not, not, not every round, but there's been a bit of a highlight reel of photos on Instagram. Like that crash was pretty gnarly. And then like the, there's that photo of you just pile driving into the ground at, um, at Madeley, you know, it's like far out. This kid is taking some hits, you know, it's, it's, um, I mean, hats off to you for keeping it going because yeah. I, I don't think people – I'm sure people do, actually. That's a silly statement to say. But the level that that MX2 class is at and how fast you guys are going, um, yeah, it's it's not – you know, you say you're going to go to a round and get through it, but you've still got to hang it out just to get through the round and be competitive, right? Yeah, 100%. You know, it's like it, – it's, yeah, it's, it's at uh, a really high level over here at the moment. So, like, honestly, you can't really – just go in there at like yeah 50 percent and, and roll around and get some points anymore it's more you gotta you gotta go in there and give it your all just to get some points so uh, in the end of the day it's difficult but heading back to like the the Austin, it, it was obviously a huge step in the right direction you know obviously that type of i don't know i would say that type of um track it wouldn't really suit me that much but honestly like i think um yeah, been here for the five years that I've been here and just riding sand all the time. Um, and now it's not so many sand races, so you don't really get to, I don't know, check how it's going or, or see how it's going. You do a lot of riding in the sand. You're like, yeah, I feel good, but never race it. So um, honestly, that was a pretty pretty good, uh, I don't know, confidence boost for me as well, just to be back up on the podium and, and turn things around a little bit. But um Having having that like knowing the sacrifice for the last five years, just riding sand, grinding it out, and, and seeing that it finally pays off for for riding something like that too. It's um it's also pretty cool for me. I've seen um I've seen you've been riding at is it Lamal quite frequently for your training. Um, I mean just just <laughs> looking at say, that, did you just say Lamal? Is is it Lamal? No. It's Lommel. Lommel. All right. Well, potato, yeah, potato. That's, a, that's some but... bo- that's some bougie shit right there, Lamel. <laughs> well, <laughs> tell Andy lived in America. Yeah, yeah, yeah Lamel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can tell. You can tell that <laughs> all the boys from America say that. <laughs> uh, that's cool. All that, right. That track looks like hard work. You know, I look at that track and it makes me want to throw up at the end of a moto. For you to do it, you, you train it most days, right? That's where you like. That's your training spot. Is it like? Yeah. Is it well, fun? Um, at all <laughs> yeah well depends when you go there eh? it's like um on the tuesday it's flat normally and then uh wednesday they leave it thursday i think uh oh they might prep it in between tuesday wednesday i don't know but like friday's the rough day mm. right and um honestly it's like the only track open around this area on a friday as well so, like, generally everyone's there on a Friday and that, that's pretty brutal if you go riding there on a Friday. Friday afternoon, it's, uh, I wouldn't say it's fun anymore, but, um, my, like, the team is really at base probably one kilometre away from there. So, yeah, it's, sort of, it's like you can buy, like, a yearly membership also and it's, and it's like you can go there as many times as you want. 
Yeah, okay. So, um, yeah, we we hit that up a fair bit. And, well, actually, it depends. Like, I don't know, for the off-season, we go there just basically for, like, um, yeah, endurance, like, fitness reasons. Um, it's quite tough, difficult to ride. So, um, get you in shape. But um, it all depends on whether we've got, um, like, a, a sand GP coming up or not. Uh, honestly, like on the calendar these days, there's like one or two CNGPs, so it's not as it's not as important anymore as what it used to be. Um, but I feel like we we kind of still do it just for for like fitness reasons, and obviously riding sand and getting getting like comfortable and and knowing how to ride the sand is beneficial even on hard pack. So um, we kind of do it for that reason still, and. I don't know. I would say some days are fun and then some days are not because yeah. it depends if you go there and you've got a good flow or whether you're struggling hard. When you say that other competitors are riding there, like are your competitors that you race with on the weekends training with you there as well throughout the week or is it usually just your crew or the 450 guys? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. Nah, like when you go there, it's, it's pretty much like anyone. Anyone can ride. So you got like the um, – you go out there, you got like a 65 out there, 85 um, you got Fevra, Hurlings, they're all training the same track, you know. So. That's kind of the hub um, around yeah. there, isn't it? For like the teams, a lot of the teams are based there when they do the, they, their European base is, is basically near Loma, isn't it? From, from my understanding. Yeah, pretty much. Well, well, now it's not so much like, um, as I was saying before, like there's not that many sand GPs anymore. Is that because of the whole, so, like, like the, the schedule has just changed so much with COVID or what What, what do you attribute that to? Because no. I have noticed that the terrain's changing over the last few years. Yeah, I think it's more like, honestly, it's just like when they go overseas and stuff like that, um, they try to go to a facility where they can actually build a track or something like that. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, and I think it's just much easier with dirt. And then, honestly, like some of the tracks that are around here, um, in Belgium, like a lot of the tracks got shut down and stuff as well. And yeah, I've been, I've been hearing that. where most of the sand races are. Yeah, I've been hearing Belgium's really struggling with like the the motocross in general with the, the track. It's, it's crazy to think that that was the nation for so long where everyone came oh, from, you it's know. crazy. Now they can't even have races, you know. Sorry, my phone is yeah, going off like, in the background. I don't know why it won't stop ringing, but I guess, I guess it's a... Uh, it's annoying. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're right. I can't actually hear it. No, I can hear it. And the listeners are going to be able to hear it. It's it's on do not disturb, but it's not working. So. <laughs> um, yeah, I, yeah. I guess what you're saying. A lot of these flyaway rounds now, especially a purpose built facilities, right? Um, you know, it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, you've done obviously. I'm from the UK. Have you done much riding in the UK other than um, racing at Madeley? You ridden any tracks over there? No, honestly, I haven't I haven't been over there like at all, to, to be honest. Only for the GP, um, because I don't know. I feel like uh, a lot of the guys they they end up coming here anyway. So like, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah if if there isn't teams that are like uh, fully based in Lowell, there's like uh, Caroli's got like an MX Center thing. It's called, and like a lot of teams like rent a garage and there's an apartment above the garage and stuff. So right. they have like a full facility that they can rent out and like a lot of teams do that sort of thing and like come down anyway and then there's other teams that have like a huge workshop and it's like split in half and you can rent like a part of their workshop yeah it's a little bit more, so, more um, it's a lot more legit than than anything you see on a on a well certainly a national level you know um i think let's yeah, chat about well, that yeah. a little bit is in you know 
<clears throat> excuse me, you've been over there for five years now. You know, 2017, you ventured over there with Honda doing the, uh, you know, EMX and you went into MX2 and 2018, the Kawasaki year. And, and you know, then you've been, yeah. um, you know, this is your third near, third year now with Husky. You know, I've seen, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, it's really annoying. Um, I've seen a lot of the content that, that you, you know, that's been put out by the team, the team launches, you know, I can't remember what it was the other week that came out, but it was basically like the documentary of you got you and your teammate, you know, going along or coming home, sorry, going to Lamel, coming home. <laughs> Excuse me? Uh, you, know, <laughs> uh, you know, going back to the workshop, you know, and the workshop's just this fully, it looks like something you'd expect to see out of, um, you know, in comparison to Australia, like a V8 supercar team. Um, you guys got lockers, yep. you got your own changing rooms, like next level money and investment. Obviously, it's a factory team and it's like the the, the European base for the MHGP with Husqvarna. So massive investment. Yep. But um, I, I guess just talk about the level of racing over there, the level of like you're talking about Caroli and, uh, you know, an MX Center and, and all these things. Like it's, it's, it's another level, I think, even to AMA as far as how the infrastructure works and logistics and travel like was was that a culture shock yep. when you first went over there yeah honestly when i first got here i didn't i didn't really know what to expect you know i was an 18 year old kid i just honestly i got an opportunity and i was like all right i'm gonna pack my bags and go for it see see how it goes you know um didn't even really come over with a plan sort of thing so like honestly i would say when i first come here i, I don't know it's been in steps you know i went from like yeah the worst that could go and then I just tried to make it happen, you know. I got an opportunity with HRC at the end of the year, and then I I made that podium. And honestly, I think that podium like um, was a huge, huge step for my career because I didn't really have anything um, like as far as a ride for the year after until I and until I got on the podium at the at the very last race there. So then I got picked up by uh, F and H, and that was like another huge step from what I was on that, that previous year. And then that was honestly kind of similar to, um, similar to like, uh, I would say like they had their own company. So like the workshop was in a part of their own company, like a a really big building and they had their own gym and all that sort of stuff. So it was like, yeah, another huge step where before on the Honda, we were literally just, I don't know, they took me to the workshop one day and I was like, oh, okay, this is, it was like an old mushroom farm or something like that. <laughs> yeah, so And it was more... just some, like, pretty beat up garage and, and just like, yeah, pretty rough go of it. But it, honestly, like, you don't need anything special, I'd say. Like, over here, there's some, there's a lot of guys and a lot of tuners that can build a good bike. So as long as you have, like, I would say like a sprinter van and, and a good setup like workshop. Even people do it out of their own garages at home and stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you don't need like anything special, but I mean, just the way like that was set up and ran and, and I don't know, the, there was just the stories about the guy that ran it with us and like how people weren't happy with it and stuff like that. It was honestly like, Oh man, I don't, I don't really know like what I'm doing here or like what I signed up for, you know, like, Honestly, I was promised um, a car and an apartment when I first come. And then, like, I got there. I ended up living on, on the floor next to his dinner table for, like, two months on a mattress. Yeah, I've heard then- I've heard this story. And I, I've kind of – I've heard people relate it to, you know, the fact that 
I mean, let's be real, Jed. Like, as far as your where you guys come from in Tasmania, like you guys are. Oh, yeah. uh, I don't know how to say this without sounding rude. You know, your family they did a really great job getting you and Ross to the races because by no means do you guys come from money. Like you, you know, working class people, yeah. normal people. I think, and what I have heard with pit talk is like the the situations that you were thrown in when you first went there. Had it have been any other rider, they would have come home. Is what you know? Yeah, honestly, kind of like, what was yeah, talked honestly, about. I'm glad that's how we grew up. Yeah, like because I think that's just made me like what made me stick it out. You know, like I didn't really care whether I whether I had to sleep on the floor or whether they built a room in their garage for me. And honestly, that was that was lucky that that was during some summer because if I was in there in winter, I would have been like waking <laughs> up pretty much a fucking ice cube. You know. Um, yeah, people so like, people don't understand how cold it gets in Europe in, in winter, hey? No, no, no. Like, honestly, it was some nights in summer I was sleeping with two dunas in there because it was that cold. But <laughs> And we complain was, about um, one, Taggy. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, in the end, like, I'm, I'm kind of glad that's how we grew up and how it was because, I don't know, I think it just, in general, it makes you a bit of a tougher person and want to stick it out, you know? Um Honestly, I was pretty happy the way it was. Like, I didn't care. I was there. I was I was seeing what it was all about, you know, if I enjoyed it over here, if I didn't. Like, honestly, I loved the racing and I loved going to each GP and trying to be better because it was a big culture shock going from home, being like uh, the previous year I won the championship at home. Yeah. So, honestly, I knew that it was going to be a huge, huge difference and I actually went there with no expectations. And I think if some people would win at home and come here, that'd be like, expecting to do really well um and honestly i knew like even with emx at such a high level like some of the teams in there now are putting in so much money into that class that it's like it's really hard to get some decent results in there so um well yeah i think outside looking in like a lot of people actually think that emx is if you can, I'm just comparing it to the Australian audience that listens to our show. Like they would compare EMX yep, yep. to like MXD, which is not the truth at all. It's yeah. just a lot of, a lot of high profile Euro guys that don't get rides for the world rounds. Basically, is my understanding of it. Um, high high yep. level racing. Yep. No, hundred percent. Like it's um, honestly, there's some teams out there now that are that are seriously building bikes that would be competitive in the MX2 class. You know, so it's um. You go, you go to some rounds, you go to an Italian race or an Italian round and, and there's guys that are qualifying like uh, in front of you that you've never even heard of or, or you never know what's going on, you know. It's like a huge, huge culture shock in that sense of things. Like I think when I come here and did my first round uh, with Walsh and I and uh, I think Walsh was like, he ended up qualifying like 23rd or something or, or yeah, 23rd because there was two groups and then he had to go to an LCQ and we are literally sitting there like looking at the timesheet and I think I was like 16th or something like that. But there was like uh, seven Italian guys in front of us <laughs> that we'd never heard of um, and we're just like looking at each other and like kind of laughing. He was pissed off because he had to go to the LCQ race to like make it into the, into the two races. You just sit there um, like WTF, and, what and is going on? we're just sitting there like looking at each other like, what the hell have we got ourselves into here, you know? Like, what what are we even doing? And we sort of <laughs> laughed about it. And honestly, like, I think if he wasn't he wasn't here also and like in it with me and we could like laugh about the shit that was happening and like make a joke about it instead of getting like all depressed and wanting to go home, you know, like. 
I think I, he was a huge part of like the yeah. just grinding it out and, and like staying here because it was just an enjoyable time no matter whether we were like there and our bikes would blow up mid-race and then we'd just come back to the truck and just look at each other and start <laughs> laughing or something, you know, instead of being like, ah, oh, this is shit, we're just fucking going to pack it up and go home. Now, I actually did a bit of racing with Walsh when I was over in the States. He went to MTF while I was over there. Um, absolute, yeah. like... Mad dog of a, like a full blown legend, probably one of the loosest dudes I've ever met on a bike. Like just yeah. not scared at all. Pulls a whole shot like yeah. my mother either. Mm. Um, yeah. It, <laughs> do you guys? It, it, does he still live near you? Like I know you guys did a lot of training last year. Was it? Or maybe the year before? Um, he's riding a four fifty at the moment. On that, is it a Honda? Well, I think he's racing for the. He's no. doing the British Championship British, on a Cowie. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. yeah, he's do- yeah he's doing British on a Cowie. So like he. Gotcha. He's actually living in uh, in the UK at the moment, but like, uh, yeah, we still talk like every single day. Yeah, uh, yeah, we've got like a real good relationship, and honestly, like when he when he wants to come over, like I've got an apartment now, and he just comes and lives with me when he's over this way, and then yeah, we just ride together and shit all the time. So yeah, um, that's so cool. Honestly, like I think he'd be here more if he could, but yeah. like. Obviously, with the pandemic and, and stuff like that happening now, it's like everything's not as easy. You need corona tests, you need this, you need that. If you don't have the vaccine, then it's difficult to go everywhere. Yeah. So at the moment, it's like pretty difficult. But I think it was like, uh, yeah, it was like six weeks ago he was over here again. So he was like, uh, yeah, riding around Lommel and, and all the Holland tracks and doing a bit of prep over here with us before his season got kicked off. He's doing well in uh, so yeah, it's, doing it's well always in, a good time. Doing well in the UK. I think he's won a few rounds now. Um Yeah, yeah. He's he he was doing well. Um I think he was battling Tommy for like the, the championship lead, but then uh I don't know which track it was, whether it was Canada Heights or not, he like caught his caught his um foot on like a rut on like a straightaway and he tore tore some ligaments in his ankle or something, so he had to miss around and then it yeah, okay. yeah, blew his championship hopes, but yeah, yeah, he's been uh, doing well. It's good to see, man. It's good to see. Um, we'll probably I'll ask you one more question, Jed, and then we'll get to the listener questions because um, we've got a bunch and yep. and that's something we want to get to, and and that'll ask a lot of a lot of things we've missed out. So, the only other thing I guess I've got is you know you've been there for you know five years now, which seems crazy to me. When we started going back through today to do the stats for this, I was like, geez, like it was 2016 was the last time you raced in Australia, which it seems like forever yep. ago now that we've seen you over here. Um, yeah. So many guys come and go uh, in MXGP as far as, especially from Australia, like we don't have the best track record of guys landing rides and kind of sticking it out. I think it's, whether it's the wrong teams, it's the culture difference, it's they don't get enough of a shot, they get one year and they have to leave, they age out, like whatever, there's that many different reasons. But um, you really are the first of the new generation of Aussie guys that have actually, you know, I'd say you created a, a... a brand for yourself over there. You've got a life over there. Like uh, your girlfriend, I believe she lives yeah. with you too, right over there. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like you're settled there now. Like I think it would be more of a, a shift for you to have to come back here to race than it would be to, you know, that's home, I guess is what I'm saying for now for your racing career. Yeah. Um, which yeah. is, it's pretty impressive, man. Like I think I actually underrated what you've achieved over there because Number one, the results, it's so gnarly to do well over there. And then number two, like you've actually mm, yeah. got a life over there as well. Like that's, that's, that's uh, hats off to you for adapting to it. I guess is what I'm saying. Cause not a lot of guys can. Yeah. Honestly, like at the start, 
um, it, yeah, it was real difficult for me. Like the last, I think it's only the last two two years. It's pretty much been my girlfriend here. Yeah. So the first three or four, I was um, I was yeah here by myself. At some times, like yeah, it's difficult. You know, like you're here alone. You you don't really know like what's going on. I'd sit in my apartment and it'd be like, come back. I'd be like, oh yeah, just want to have a normal combo. And then you like can't even ring someone from home because they're sleeping. Um, so yeah, that part of things like difficult to get through. But I, honestly, like if I didn't want to do, I don't know, I come here and then I didn't really have a goal. And then my goal was to get on like a factory ride. And then like, I feel like if I didn't have them goals set for myself after the first year that like, I don't know, like I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd chase it as hard, but honestly I just set goals and then I wanted to achieve them so badly that it didn't, didn't matter what else was happening around, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. You've just really think, funneled into what you're trying to achieve. Yeah. Like I, I didn't actually within like, yeah, the, the second year or the third year, I was just sitting here. Like I didn't care that I was alone and I didn't care. I didn't have anyone to talk to. I just, ultimately wanted to to do well and then uh land myself a good ride and have a good opportunity to do like what I want to do most you know um so honestly like I can say at the start it was difficult and then like when I went to that uh Cowie team it was a full Dutch team and then um I like I'd go there and they'd speak about me in in Dutch and I wouldn't have a clue what they were saying and then uh, after that, I started actually learning a fair bit of Dutch just by myself, so I knew what they were saying. <laughs> yeah, on the download, like, um, hey, I know what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like on the download, so I knew what they were talking about, and like they just thought I had no idea. <laughs> and then I started picking it up a fair bit. Um, so now I'd say like I can I can fully like understand Dutch. I know what they're saying like pretty much ninety percent of the time now. I just can't like speak it that good. I like on the weekends. I was speaking to like some some Dutch people like in Dutch, and I thought like oh it's come like a fair way compared to what I used to be able to be. I can have a little conversation in Dutch with someone now. So like I don't know, I find that part of it cool too because I've kind of I don't know adapted to it a little bit. Like a lot of people come here and they're like oh, I don't really want to learn a language or anything like that. They don't they don't really take the opportunity to learn it. Um, yeah, you've like you've immersed like yourself cool. into it, which is which yeah. is cool. You know, you have to embrace it. I think because if you don't, you know, and I've moved countries. You know, it's not the same as what you're doing, but I've moved to the other side of the world. And I think the guys yep. that don't embrace, like you could say, I don't sound like I'm from the UK anymore. Um, I don't know yeah, where yeah, you're from, mate. Yeah, yeah, no one does. It's fine. <laughs> but what I'm getting at is like you, you, you know, you've embraced the language, the culture, and that makes it easier for you to stay there. Because if you just sit there going, yep. I miss home. I'm not learning anything new. It's never going to last, you know? Yeah, um, exactly right. Then you just get into your own head, I think, like all the negativity, uh, everything like that. That's, that's ultimately what would, would drive someone home, I'd say, is like just being negative, being away from everyone and, and yeah, well, not being able to hang out with your mates, not being able to like, yeah, just go do whatever you want whenever you want. It's, it's kind of a lot different, but if you don't adapt to it, I think it's, 20 times harder than, than what you think it can be. I think, for, like, personally, uh, as Joe said, we've, we've both spent a lot of time over uh, overseas, and I think, personally, regardless of 
the you know the results that you've accomplished. I think personally, on a personal level, what you've accomplished yeah. yourself is as impressive. Person, yeah, yeah, just alone, mate. To be honest, because I mean, you guys, as I said, you, you're over a different language. You learnt, you adapted. You're trying to be better yeah. yourself, and I think you know you've obviously had some really great results, but you've you know come from Tasmania. You've come from so far, you know, up, removed from. Where yeah, you just, are now. Just getting from Tassie to achieve yeah. results in Australia like, is a big deal. super yeah, impressive, man. Just, and just from Tassie to Melbourne was a big one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that was on the spirit. I didn't want to say that, but like yeah, when you're like learning another I language, I was like, man, coming from Tassie to Melbourne is kind of like learning yeah. a new language. But hey, final, yeah, exactly. final culture question. <laughs> hey, do you, with your chips, do you have mayonnaise in Holland? Do you do that? No. No. Uh, all right. So you're not, they, fu- you're not fully immersed yet. They, they, they love that shit. Uh, they the fritter, that's, that's their specialty. It's called yeah, the fritter. The fritter. They, they yeah. just go ham on the chips and mayonnaise, freaking else for sure. I know. The first time it. I went to Holland as a kid, I remember just seeing someone just drowning their chips in mayo, and I'm like, what in the world is I going on? I think the chips are actually oh. a side for the mayo. They order the mayo, and then they get the chips on the side. <laughs> yeah, they, they are. Yeah. They oh, pretty man. much are. Hey, yeah. let's, uh, Every time we talk, oh, let's get Donnell in, and he's going to give you some, uh, some questions from the listeners, Jed. Yeah, um, no problem. Ooh. Take your time, take your time. Is so my mic working? Yeah, yeah it is now. Go. Sorry, yeah. just before we start, yeah. every time you speak about Holland, it reminds me of Austin Powers. Where he goes, there's nothing more I hate than other people who are intolerant of other people's cultures and the Dutch. Mike's dropping in and out. Um, all right, let's get some, some questions from the listeners. How are you, Jed? I'm Donnell, by the way. Um, yeah, I'm good, thanks. <laughs> uh, 40 minutes in. How you doing, mate? Good. Um, yeah. So the first yeah, question nice first question that came into uh, Donnell's DMs, a new segment on the show. <laughs> I don't want any part of what gets <laughs> into your that. DMs. Um, comes from Jai <laughs> Cornwall. He said, um, have you had any plans on going to the US? Uh, like, as of right now, no. Um Obviously, anyone in Australia that saw me race Supercross, no, it's not a good idea. Um, <laughs> so, actually, like, if I think if I went there and spent, like, a lot of time and focused on Supercross, like, it would be fine. But, honestly, I, I do love it here. And, like, like I said before, I've got, like, pretty much a life and everything here now. So, um, it would I think it would be another huge culture shock to just pack everything up and go to, to the U.S., um, have to start over again, you know, so that makes things like a whole lot more difficult. Um, honestly, like the racing and that looks, looks awesome there. And I, I would actually love to go there and, and, uh, even race like an outdoor or something like that. Um, but yeah, to answer that question, it's probably a no, like I enjoy it here and, and what we've got going. I think like, it's uh, it's pretty good and pretty solid, so I'd I'd probably rather stay here. Yeah, it looks like you've built a really solid program over there. Obviously, the results are showing that now, and as you said all interview long, that yeah, you've built a life over there. So to be almost like yeah, counterproductive to move away. Um, next question yeah, comes exactly. from uh, at Bailey Cullen forty five. He said, "How much pressure is there t- to perform this year? Like, is it? Do you feel like there's more pressure this year than any other year?" I get that question a lot, you know, just from like media guys over here and everything like that. But honestly, the you put a lot of pressure on yourself for just being a rider. So like, I think most people would understand you don't put in the effort and train that much to go out there and, and want to get second, you know. Everyone wants to go win. 
So honestly, like if it's my last year in MX2 or, or the first year, I still want to go out there and I want to get results regardless of whether I have to step up next year or whether I have to get a ride because the contract's up. Honestly, I just want to go out there and get good results for myself. And and in the end of the day, I think you're chasing that feeling of uh, of like trying to get on the podium. You know, you know how hard of work it is. So when you finally get a podium or, or trying to chase a race win, you know it's the feeling that you get from from achieving that is far more than than what you get like yeah just in general putting pressure on yourself so it's like a, a pressure relief you know um, so honestly it's like no nah, I don't have that much pressure to, to perform it's more I just want to do good for myself yeah do you age out this year you do you do don't you yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, do you find like you're putting your, a little like does that throw a little bit more pressure in there too to try and find a ride for 450 next year no honestly no because I think um, if it all comes down to results in the end of the day you know if you get results you get rewarded and in the end if you get results then someone will approach you for a ride like um, so I, I'm pretty much just putting all my focus on results and Ultimately, like I, I want to be in the end uh, a championship guy or, or have a chance to go for it in the end. So um, honestly, I think if that happens and it's and it's a it's a goal of mine, you know. So if I'm anywhere close to that and I'm getting good results, I think something will come along anyway. So uh, no, I'm not too stressed about that. Yeah, that's a good way to focus on it. Next one comes from at LM Lilies. Lily, I, I don't know if I'm saying anyone's Lilis. Lilis. Whatever it is. All right. Sorry. I apologize. I can't read real well. Um, <laughs> what, are you, what are your thoughts on um, Desnations? Are you, um, you going to throw your hand I, up? Yeah. I, yeah, that's a yeah, good question. Yeah, sure, yeah, that, sure. one, that one was for you and um, we're having Mitch Evans on later. So that was to the both of you. Yeah, because do you know, yeah. have they finalized the format? I know they're still talking about it being like at an MXGP round with points. Like there's a bit going on with that, isn't there? Yeah, honestly, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you what their plan is. They change plan every single day. Like, even with the actual races that are going on, one gets postponed and one gets cancelled, so it's hard to tell what's going to actually happen. Um, but, yeah, I'd love to race. I'd love to race it. You're stupid to be a rider and not want to race it, you know. Um, I think that's the, just, like, one of the goals is to go and represent your own country at the Motocross of Nations. Um, I mean, with you so and sure, hopefully keen. Mitch being over there, th- that's kind of two spots that are a no-brainer. Um, you know, hopefully he can be back from injury by then, but uh, that's probably the best shot Australia would have had in a while as far as, you know, everyone, everyone keeps throwing the Lawrence brothers up there, but you've got to think. Yeah, you're, you're, the, you're there. You're, you're the there. MSGP you, guys for Australia. You know opinion, those tracks. You know? you know that race format. You know the guys you're racing against more so than, say, Jed or Hunter. Not to say that they, you know, wouldn't go over and do well. They have experience there, but to be, you know, coming from America, it's a it's a big change. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's uh, I don't know. It just depends how they run it. You know, if they run it with like championship points, I think like honestly, a lot of the teams they probably won't let it happen uh, for their riders if it's not uh, championship points or if something like I don't know how they're going to actually run that because. Um, Tomac comes over or whatever if Tomac wins one moto does he get 25 points or does Geyser who gets second in that moto does he get the 25 points because he's an actual GP rider 
Like, yeah, you'd have to think. I don't that understand they, how they're going to do it. The non MXGP international, like, yeah, you, you can't know, have them in the races, but not being able to score points. But then at the same yeah, time, there's like, no point in them scoring have points. To have a separate class for those guys, you know. Like, are they going to have to have a race? Uh, that's separate for the for the other guys. Oh, I'm sure the, the Americans MX2 would love guys that. Do that one race, or yeah, like I, I seriously don't know how they'd do it. So like in the end, that that's a hard question for me to answer. Like yes, I'd love to do it, but depends on how it's all set up and and what their plan is on doing it. Really, if you were to be on the team, who would you want as your teammates right now to Ooh, give you the best chance? Question. Now that's from me. That was from um, at Dano official. He's really good with uh, his questions. Don't, don't make me answer that. I'm going to make a lot of people pissy. No, it's cool. We put we put the hard questions here, Jed, so we're going to need art. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but, I mean, look, if you have no, you honestly, and MX2, honestly, like, like if you had you and MX2, you had Mitch and MX1. Who's the MX then, open rider? Well, you've got to give it to the guy that wins Primex over here, which odds on is going to be Cloud or Duffy, right? Yeah. Yeah, some, something like that. Or either if, like, if Hunter or Jet was to want to step up to a 450, also, something like that would be pretty. I'd also find that a pretty solid team, but it it depends who they've got available and what what can happen. Like honestly, maybe they're not allowed to ride four fifties here or something like that. And it's also the same as like um, someone coming from home being able to get a competitive bike, or whether they have to bring their own bike and stuff like that. It's, yeah, there's there's so it's, many uh, so many factors, like moving right? parts to to that puzzle. Uh, um, look, if anyone yeah. if anyone's going to be able to organise a bike over there, it's going to be competitive. It'll be Craig Dack. It would, but we've yeah, seen Ferris. Yeah. We've seen Ferris come to Europe and ride European yeah. bikes that won. I mean, Duffy I did. Know, Duffy did well last time he we went over there on a 450. He did, and look, the Austrian brand's your best bet as far as yeah. Well, um, they're there. They're there. So standard. If you're going to get something out of the box or something like that, I think yeah. Yeah, being Bring that's a, a very political over, answer from the factory yeah, husky rider. <laughs> yeah, yeah, shocking. The factory husky rider <laughs> thinks that's a good call, but no, we're just joking. No, no but honestly, honestly, <laughs> <laughs> no, but really, guys, seriously. <laughs> Um, yeah. uh, oh, we got one more question from the the DMs for you. What's your what's your daily training schedule? Who's that from? That's from at Bales underscore one one nine. Yeah, well, like it changes depending. You know, like this this week is like a, a pretty easy week because we go this weekend we've raced in off. Next weekend we race in Czech. The weekend after is Lommel, and the weekend after that is Latvia. So honestly, it's like quite quite full on like one month for us. Um, and yesterday, I did like a, a recovery session in the morning, and then a strength after it. Um, and then now I have like a pretty easy week. Um, so I'd say like just some just a small amount of running, and then yeah, obviously cycling maybe like one and a half two hours. Um, it's just not as heavy as running and stuff like that. So it's pretty easy weeks. We just try and recover in between the races now. Um, and then, yeah, be good for the weekend. Uh, I think we'll ride once in the middle of the week. So tomorrow we're going to go riding. And then, um, yeah, it's pretty much cycling or a small run or something like that to, to get the body recovered and ready again for the Sunday. Because there's two things uh, that, and then, that stand out to me, Jed, is that number one, um, the travel schedule, like, you know, anyone that's flown yep. internationally knowing you, you go to a different time zone, you, you fly 12 hours, 20 hours, whatever it is, it, it messes you up. It dehydrates you. Your sleep patterns are all messed up. Yep. Um, yep. You know, 
it's not like Australia or America where you're traveling domestically. Like these are big flights. Mm. And then for you to come yep. home and think you're going to ride three times that week and do two gym sessions and site, like it's definitely not how it's yeah. done in Europe. It's, it's completely different kind of, nah. and you guys ride so much on the race weekends too. Yeah. It's just like, that's, yeah, that's also one of the things I had to adapt to, you know, like I think honestly, like you've got the option you can fly home like uh, a Sunday night after the race and then you get, get back at like four in the morning or three in the morning or something like that. Or do you take the option of, sleeping that night a little bit and then being able to fly home early the morning and then so you're back for the weekly routine or like it's honestly just something you have to adapt to depending on like what you get what you get put on or what you have to do you know sometimes we drive to a race if it's like 700 kilometers away it's way easier to just drive straight there than like to catch a flight and then have to drive from an airport to the track or something like that it almost takes the same amount of time yeah yeah for sure so um it just all depends like if we can so i think we're driving to check this weekend it's like seven hours and honestly like if we leave straight after the race we drive all the way back here and then we're back like, I don't know, three in the morning or something like that. By the time we stop a couple of times, get some dinner and everything like that. Um, yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's hard to, hard to say like there's, I don't know, a fully set routine because sometimes it can change a bit, you know, uh, depending on like, yeah, what time you get home. Obviously you get home at three, three in the morning, you're not going to wake up at seven and then yeah, do your morning cycle, you know? Um, yeah, it's, so a, lot of it's stuff a changes and then re- revolving you, you routine. Cycling. Yeah, you go cycling just later in the day. I think, like, honestly, that's what's different here is, like, people are pretty flexible and, like, obviously you still get the work done, but it's just way more flexible. Like, I think when I was at home, I just had, like, such a routine that I, like, had to get this done at this time and I had to do this amount of hours and I had to do this. But honestly, like, here I've been, like, pretty more like much more flexible if I have to do it at four o'clock in the afternoon instead of nine o'clock in the morning, then I'm, I'm happy with it. You know, it's, um, yeah, it's just a whole different, different setup. It's just adapting once again, I guess. Yeah. I mean the Euro tracks, there's a lot of tracks over there that you're rolling up to train on where you're not rolling up to a prep track at 9am. You're rolling up to the track in Spain or, or, you know, where France that's been groomed six months ago and you just go ride whatever, you know, um, I did some, yeah, you know, and, some pre-seasons. And most of the tracks and, here don't open until one o'clock. So, like, that yep. also makes it difficult to get things done in the morning because here, like, you want to you ride ultimately before you do some training because you want to be 100% on the bike and then do your training afterwards. That's how I see it. Um, so, like, that makes it difficult too. Then you have to do, like, your cycle after the ride and then it's later in the day. But honestly, like, you just got to, yeah, you just got to manage it that way, I'd say, and... I guess some people, when they have the time in the morning, they'd rather do it in the morning. But then honestly, like, if I had, a, if I had like, a, an hour and a half intense cycle in the morning or something like that, and then I go to the track and I'm sore while I'm riding, I, I sort of don't understand that a little bit because the track's super rough already. So you're going to be feeling it straight after the you're actually riding anyway. So, like... Yeah, I agree. I think um, riding has to take precedence, yeah, like, especially during the season. Maybe off season, you can be a little yeah. flexible with it. But yeah, yeah, off season, you can you can pound yourself into the ground. You know, it doesn't doesn't matter if you go to the track and you're a little bit sore or something like that. But it's just yeah, completely different when you're in the season. It's a little bit more manageable and and just like 
trying to keep self 100% because the battery can go out pretty quick when you're racing at that intensity every single weekend. Yeah, for sure. Well, hey, Jed, look, we, I, I would love to, to talk to you more. I think we maybe we actually schedule later in the year. Maybe let's do like a one-on-one interview and we can go a bit more into detail. Um, we kind of, yeah, you know, really. we got Mitch coming up and, um, and yeah, we've got some other things to talk about on this show because we haven't done an Inside Dirt show for a while. So we cover a lot of different things on this version of the show. But yep. um, hey, man, I really appreciate you taking the time out to come on. Um, shout out to Ross. I hit him up yesterday and he kind of help line this one up because I had no idea how to contact you and you have that many Instagram <laughs> followers now. I was like, there's no way um, I'm going to reach you in the DMs. I will say one last thing, Jed. Uh, got a health, very, very healthy head of hair on you at the moment. Uh, <laughs> it is impressive. Yeah. Hair's yeah. Been, it uh, wouldn't fit into this show. Yeah. <laughs> this is the receding, <laughs> this is the receding hairline, hairline show. So yeah. I can appreciate a healthy head of hair when I see one. Now, <laughs> yeah, you know, had an amazing result with that head of hair of yours now. Um, have you thought about cutting it into a mullet? I've heard it takes off a couple seconds. I know that it's, you know, family. <laughs> lineage that Rattler, one of the kings of all time <laughs> yeah. at the track, has had a healthy mullet for a number of years now. Is, is it come across your mind? Yeah. Uh, we'll have to see. I think I think uh, I've got a nice butt patch coming for the French GP, so nice. I might have to just I might have to rip it in for that GP, and then maybe I'll think about getting rid of the long hair. But oh, until then, you have to be <laughs> you have to wait. You have to wait and be surprised. Oh, yeah, mate, I'll be waiting. That thing out. That's. Uh, um, <laughs> Oh, boy, that would be glorious. <laughs> All right, Jed, hey, man. Um, appreciate it. Thank you again for coming on. Good luck this weekend. And um, and keep up the good work, man. It's great to see uh, It's great to see where you've, you know, like we said, talking about the MX Nationals and where you've come from all the way down there in Tasmania to now, man. It's great to see. So hats off to yeah. you and um, stay safe out there and good luck this weekend. Yeah, thanks, Pete, boys. Thanks for having us on the show and I'll catch up with you soon. No see problem. You, thanks, Bye. man. All right. See you, boys. What a absolute legend, hey! That was um, he hasn't changed a bit. I love that. Yeah, I that actually was, do love. I that. haven't. I literally haven't spoken to him since um, since he left, yeah. and uh, he's been back here and there, but our paths really haven't crossed. So that was cool, man. He's super um, humbling as well. I feel like I think he know? was stoked to talk to some people from home, probably a little bit, hundred yeah, percent. Yeah, um, and you and more. <laughs> Yes, and me, um, especially Andy. You guys being you know friends and whatnot, but yeah, um, you know, shout out to all the the listeners with those questions. That's something we want to grow. So thanks for everyone. It was a bit short notice, but we got some some questions some in, which good was questions good. in there. Yeah, really good. Yeah, ones. really some good. tough ones. Yeah, Tell us. yeah, yeah. Putting it to him, like, hey, some doozies. How's the pressure? You know, but that's why we ask the hard questions. It's good. That's it. That's it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't think uh, you can. Like I said, it was only when I went through his stats today to kind of do this to start realizing. He's had some big results. Big results. Yeah. And like, I didn't want to bring this up on the show, but, you know, he won the 2016 MX2 title. Yeah. Realistically, would he have had something for Wilson Todd in, you know... In 17. In 17, 18, 18 19. Egan Maston was 17. As okay, well. so well, you got to think, like, those three years, he was a heavy favorite to have won those titles here. He would be a factory 450 rider here now, and and more than likely on CDR. On CDR, like that. like that was where It'd either be with Daka or you or your rival, someone like that. He would have been making. Um, he basically what I'm saying is, if if you odds on that he could have won three or four MX2 titles in a row and then been a a, a championship contending 450 rider over here. Yeah. Um, he's probably sacrificed a lot of winnings and money. Yeah. 
And I, you can tell talking to him, it's not about that. It's not about that, yeah. And he's probably making good money now. He's a factory writer. Yeah. But, you know, living on the floor in a barn in Holland and all that crazy shit he was doing, um, the short-term sacrifice has paid off. Yeah. But, you know, it's it just shows how much he wants it, I he guess, is it. what I'm getting yeah. at, you know? 100%. I mean, look... Any other person, I don't know, would go overseas, miss a lot of their friends' 18th, miss all the highlights growing up, you know. Mm. He went over there at the age of, what, 18, 19. So he missed a big chunk of his life to go over and sacrifice to do racing, right? And mm. it wasn't pretty to start off with, but it's it's progressively gotten better and better for him. And, you know, it just shows for, the, you know, there's I'm sure there's younger kids listening to this podcast that if you just keep pushing and pushing and pushing and trying – it eventually will get there for you. That's you know? a, that's the thing. There's a lot of people who go, oh, yeah, I'd I'd want it that bad that I'd go and I'd go over and I'd sleep on the floor and I'd do this and I'd do that. But once you're in it and there, yeah, once you I think actually, a lot of them would crack. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And, and you've you've like seen no, it. There's no way I'd go and sleep on a like, I sleep on floors all the time. Dude, you but slept but in a bathtub the other week <laughs> in one of the nationals. <laughs> Yeah, right. Here's the difference, right? I can get drunk. Yeah. All right, Jed can't. Yeah, athletes can't. Yeah, yeah. athletes can't. Not an athlete. Right. Not an athlete. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. No, hats off, man. Hats off to him because, like you said, it's there's. You know, I always talk about Jay Wilson, Luke Stike, Caleb yeah. Ward. Like everyone from around his era went. Yeah. And came that, back. Okay. Not you know? to discredit what they did, but it's... No, there's nothing against them, but they were either in the wrong team. Yeah. It didn't work out. They were injured. The language, like, you talk to Jay, you talk to Caleb, you know, there were so many reasons why they came back. Yeah. You know, it wasn't just, oh, the bike wasn't competitive or the team or that was a lot to do with it. Mm. But they also, I don't think, could, you know, Jay, yeah, I mean, man, Jay's story is insane. I'd still love to get him on to talk about that full story. Like, man, he was overseas when his baby was born. But, yeah. You know, missed it. Like, it's freaking insane, the sacrifices these guys make. And then, like you said, everyone sits here going, oh, if I had that opportunity, I'd go do it. It's like, would you, though? Would like, you? Would you got like, There's a reason these guys are getting that opportunity because they're the ones who are willing to do it. To do it, you know. To, yeah. to Jed, like you said, you know, most 18-year-olds, they're like, oh, I'd kill for the chance to go live in Europe and race a dirt bike. Their but they're, then, they're, then you turn around and say to them, all right, well, you're not going to go to any of your mates' 18th. You're not going to go to your 21st. You're not going to have a normal life. Well, I think, no. you know, you look at all that stuff and, um, you know, as I said, it's just really awesome to see him on, you know, on the podium again. It's been a long road for him. He's tr- he works his absolute ass off. So hats off to Jed. Good on him. Good to have him on the podcast. It sure. was really cool. Yeah. I, I actually forgot to ask him how it feels having the dopest setup in MXGP. Yeah. Because, man, that combo of, like, the Rockstar lid, the gear... The tough. white bikes, like it is. Yeah, the fox and the bell deal, dude. Well, like, I mean, shout out to Hugo Frey, head of marketing there. So he actually organised all that stuff through Fox. So okay, yeah, he's one of my homies. All right, yeah. I don't know how we became mates, but he's the guy. Where's that your stopped. Fox stuff then? Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I actually was going to get Fox, but you, you, know, you never cease to surprise me, Andy. I know a lot of random people. You do, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, as as the president of the Jason Anderson fan, Jason Anderson fan club, club yeah. is true, yeah. yeah. Five dollars entry, guys. Uh, <laughs> yeah, went for my Patreon. When Andy uh, Andy calls my phone, guys, it still has company. It says Andy Dinicol, president of the Jason Anderson yeah. fan club. Still a huge fan of Jason. If he ever listens, not sure if he does. <laughs> yeah, you, you wait. <laughs> Get me some uh, team fried. Team fries. <laughs> so it was a few years ago when you were back here doing the preseason with us before you went to the states, 
and you'd be like, yo, do your American accent back then? You'd be like, you know. I didn't do that. Just like when, when <laughs> I go ride with Jason. That's what you sound like now. I go ride with <laughs> <laughs> You haven't changed yeah, your you, voice. You're not in oh, any position sorry, to pick sorry. on anyone for any yeah, accent. No, the first time rich. I met Joe, I thought he was Canadian because it didn't make any sense where he was from. It's like it's half American, like, half Australian. Let's stay, let's stay on the task yeah, at hand. We are ripping yeah. on Andy. Um, <laughs> he sounds like a dog with peanut butter on his <laughs> Um, what was I going to say? But yeah, you'd be like, never this, been anywhere. this is how it went. It would go, you know, when Jason was at the track and I'd be like, Jason, you're like, you know, Jason Anderson. And I'd be like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, he'd come right with us. Whatever. No biggie. Like, <laughs> I, I didn't say that, but look, I'm 100% confident on the chin. Yeah. Me and Jay, he follows me. So oh. does he follow you? He certainly does not. Doesn't. That's what I thought. A lot of people don't. I don't blame them. No, because this is the trouble I have with the riders. You see, I, I DM them to come on the show, but because they don't follow me back. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know. Yeah. Maybe you're not as big as you think you are. I definitely See, am not. I got your back, Andy. I'm always happy to pick on Joe. Well, you know, I yeah. love it. You know, <laughs> it's my favorite thing to do other than, you know. Saying, look, look at mullets. Lomel. Well, you said Lomel too, so don't start that. He was taking the piss out of you. All right, moving on, because we could do this all day. Um, we actually got through that pretty quick, so maybe we should call Mitch Evans early and then we'll get into talking about... Well, do you want to talk about GPs in general? Um, we haven't really spoken about it. True. No, I reckon we'll call Let's Mitch first, because he said he's got, he's got something going on at 6.30. So we'll get Mitch on. Probably State of... Oh, no, State of Origin's over now. Yeah, yeah. he said he's he's got some sort of engagement. So, Shout out um, to Maroons, you know, tough uh, loss at the start, but we got the win in the end, you know. Yeah, on, didn't on, win the series. No, I said one in the end though, one last game. Just on the note of your accent, just to round this section up, you went from having an American accent to the most Australian accent. It's pretty bloody Australian now, isn't it? You just sound like your dad. It's insane. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Mitch Evans is the one that says Mitch yeah, Evans. Yeah, well, I wasn't sure in case it was something else. No, just no, checking. It's, it's just shut up, Mitch Evans. I didn't actually ask him if we could do FaceTime, so hopefully FaceTime audio is good. Well, he'll isn't learn. he in Australia? Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, but it's a better connection. You uh, learn these things. Yeah, you're new to the podcast game, veterans. Her dad. Yeah. All right. I think we've got him now, Mitch. How you doing, bud? Yeah. Good, Ben. How are you? Good. Thanks. Thanks for taking the time out. I know you said you had a busy night, so I appreciate it. Yeah, no, no worries. Always, I did, always up for a chat. I didn't do the fancy HRC factory Honda MXGP rider Mitch Evans intro, so there it is, Mitch. Um, <laughs> so I've got uh, Andy Dinicole here with me co-hosting, and uh, Darnell Official uh, will chime in with some questions and user questions at some point soon. Um, yeah. So, look, Mitch, uh, obviously this year is uh, – I mean, basically, long story short, you, you you know, at the first few GPs, we didn't really see you. And then all of a sudden, the State of Origin photo popped up on uh, on Instagram. And we were like, okay, well, obviously, you know, you're home. And then you, you put the word out why you're home. And, you know, you're getting some things fixed in your wrist. So, uh, first of all, how are you doing? How was surgery? How's the recovery going? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, finally had surgery on Friday. Um, it was a difficult decision to make. Um, but, uh, yeah. After what happened last October, I always said to myself that if I ever need surgery again, I'm just going to fly back to Australia and get it done by people we know and trust. So, um, yeah, unfortunately with quarantine and whatnot, you know, I had to wait a little bit longer to get it done, but better to waste a couple of weeks now than waste another 12 months, you know? So, yeah, I mean, it's your um, body and it's your career long term. It's You've got to do it right. Uh, like you said, um, and then if you've had previous bad, bad experience with surgeons, which 
I mean, I got an elbow and a wrist that's fused from a surgery in Holland that, that probably could have been done a lot better. So I understand that European surgeons can sometimes be a bit, how you going? Yeah, exactly. And this was a surgery that it was like, I kind of have to get it done right. Otherwise, my only option left is a full fusion. So it was, yeah, it was a big decision to make and wanted to make sure I got it done right. So, um, you know, it's it, it was... Kind of back in October, because the bone had completely snapped off, and you know if you wait too long, but then the bone can die. So, so what's uh, what's the bone you've you've snapped off there in the wrist? What 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 have you broken? Yeah, so I broke the radius, but I broke it off from the joint. So I believe it it was called a distal radius fracture. Yeah, right. Um, okay, now I understand why you need the surgery the way you do. That's not a good not a good break to have. Yeah, so basically the joint surface of my radius was just so rough and rugged that um, all yeah all the pain that I was experiencing is because the joint couldn't move freely. Um, so and you know everyone that I speak to is like, oh, after you get the partial fusion, you don't have much range of motion. Well, I barely had ten percent of a normal wrist as it was, but I still had a heap of pain. So it's better to have ten percent and no pain. Than, than a heap of movement and, and a heap of pain because you can't use the movement if you if you have pain. So yeah, and your body. I mean, not not comparing apples to oranges. Like my my left wrist is fused. Like I can I can't rotate it at all, and I can't really go up and down with it. But you, your riding style adapts really quickly. Um, so like you said, if you're pain free, you'll be able to figure that out. Um, so it's you know for sure the right choice. Um, yeah, absolutely. I spoke to Christian Craig and he's had a partial fusion done too. I'm not sure which wrist, but he said once he had no pain, he didn't even notice the the, the lack of movement. So it was a no-brainer in the end. For sure. Um, well, I didn't mean to start the interview on such a, a somber term, so to speak. <laughs> so sorry about that. Just more an update on on you know what you're doing back, but it's got to be got to be good being back as as much as it sucks to be to be getting surgery. You know, spending some time with your brother and your family. That's that's got to feel good. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, it's a, it's a little bit tough to swallow. I mean, definitely coming back to Australia was the last thing I wanted to do at this stage, um, especially just as the season was starting and it being summer over there, you know. Don't, it's not the greatest doing 12 months of winter, but um, probably going to have to suck that one up. And I guess being in far north Queensland, winter I was is say, really winter. Let's you know, not so. get too crazy. We're down here in Melbourne, so look... Uh, <laughs> I think what you're talking about is not winter. Yeah, all right? 24 degrees and sunny, I'm spewing. Yeah, my heart bleeds <laughs> for how hot it is up there right now. Um, yeah, it yeah. is freezing down here. Um, so, I mean, look, not ideal. Um, you know, second year uh, with the team. Let's talk a little bit, you know, about... We had Jed Beaton on before. This is kind of the MXGP edition of this show, which has just come about randomly. Yep. You, you guys both got back to me and were able to make tonight's show work, so that's awesome. So, you know, you... Um, obviously got the ball rolling with your MX of Nations rides back in, you know, 2018 when you did really well over there. And, and you know, from there, it's it's been a pretty steep ascension for you, Mitch. Like, you went MX2 uh, with Honda, um, had, you know, so I think it was two-third overalls, like a big year. And, and I'll be honest, I think I've said this to you in person even, or when we've chatted, that when you went to that that team on that Honda 250 with how big you are after riding the 450 KDM over here, I was like, there's no way he's going to make that work and get starts against those fast European like <laughs> MXGP bikes. But boy, was I wrong because you really, 
you really put in a good showing. Clearly, it made a big enough impression for you to get the MXGP ride with with HRC. And like, it's been a whirlwind for you. Like, how quick it's progressed. Um, yeah, talk about it a little bit, man. Because honestly, still, it's, it blows me out to think you were a few years ago. You were over here competing for a, a MX One title and in, in MX Nationals, and now your team guys' team mate on the biggest platform in the sport. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Um. It's been a bit of a blur, really. But um. Yeah, it was kind of, it was always the plan. Um, it was just a foot to get in the door, you know, um, going back to MX2 over there. Um, and I just knew I needed to be able to show myself. I'd already shown myself on the 450, um, and I kind of knew Honda already had a, had a little bit of an eye on me from MX of Nations. So I knew they already knew that I was good on a 450. So I just thought if I can go over there and, and show that I have some speed, then, then maybe something will open up and, um, yeah, honestly, really started the year off great. I mean, um, I was in really good condition. And then actually the weekend before we went to Argentina, I put a hole in my leg. I just like dabbed my foot in the corner and hit it on the handlebars. And um, all I thought is I just had a little cut. So we put a couple of stitches in there and, and went off, um, flew to Argentina. But my leg kept swelling up every time I tried running or something. And then... Um, by the time, because, you know, it's a two-day event back then, so by the time I went to the line for Moto2, I could barely bend my knee enough to sit on the on the bike. Um, but obviously, once the gate drops, you know, um, you block out the pain. And, and But my biggest issue after the race was trying to walk up the stairs to get on the podium. So Yeah, right. Um, I mean, it's crazy behind the scenes to know. Uh, you know, I mean, we just talked to Jed and he was talking about his preseason injuries and then having to go race the opening round. Like, there's always something with you guys that's niggling. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's part of the game, I guess, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think with how much racing that everyone does over there, it, it's you'd be surprised that someone gets to race at 100% every weekend, you know. So I'm sure every guy is probably carrying a little bit of a niggling injury. But unfortunately, after that, um, I had two and a half weeks off the bike because we thought it was a like an infection. But really what I did was I um, hurt the tendon that fires my quad muscle. So I couldn't even like activate that. Yep. Um, so I couldn't even like walk for a week. And then I got on the bike like the Thursday before Matterley Basin. And so that was kind of a little bit underprepared for that. And then, um, yeah, the next couple of rounds didn't go the greatest. And then I ended up hitting my head and then, Things kind of went downhill from there. I hit my head again, and um, yeah, it was just a bit of a struggle. I mean, I was the team had me working with a trainer that I didn't really like, and um, he was trying to get me to lose weight, but um, I'd already been losing weight for like six or seven months before that, so um, it was starting to get a little bit difficult. And no matter how hard I tried, I seemed to have just kept gaining weight. So, um, will you grow it? Yeah. How old are you now? I'm 22 now, but I was, what, 20 back then. Yeah, so, so naturally your body's still, progressing. you know, progressing. And no matter what you try and do, when you get to that young 20s as a man, your body puts on a lot of muscle mass naturally, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And kind of me under 80 kilos is just bone. And I got down to 77 kilos. and Yeah, that's like, not healthy uh, for you, your body weight. Yeah. yeah. I was, you know, waking up in the middle of the night in full ball of sweat and like barely sleeping and and whatnot so I knew things weren't good and um but anyway yeah we tried to keep pushing out through the year but yeah um thankfully Honda it was actually funny because at 
Matterley Basin, which was second round, first motor, I crashed and got like a bit of dirt stuck between the clutch and the lever and it was kind of like my clutch was slipping so I pulled into the pits, got them to fix it and by the time I came out I was like almost a lap down, the leaders were about to lap me and they were giving me the blue flag for like the first two laps and then they stopped giving me the blue flag because the leaders weren't catching me. Right. And it was actually that race that Honda were like, oh, wow, you know, if he gets a good start, he could run at the front. Yeah, so, this guy's got a lot of potential, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's funny to think that I finished 34th in that race and that was probably one of the rides that got me got me the ride, you know. Yeah, it's funny how that works. But, you know, it shows, it shows character, it shows speed. I think, you know, sometimes that's worth more than the results on paper to get you that ride. Yeah, um, exactly. It shows heart that you never give up to, you know, so that situation. does it just completely spin you out when, you know, all of a sudden you're, you know, your guys' teammate? I mean, I've got so many questions about HRC Honda as a team <laughs> and, like, the crazy shit that would be on your bike that mm. you're probably not even allowed to talk about. But, yeah, is that just a, that environment? Um, where's the team based? Where, where are you living over there? Um, yeah, so the team's based like um, 30 kilometers from Milan City, um, right. sort of sort of like between Milan City and uh, Majora Track. Okay, and, um, and so you live in Italy when you're over there? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, they just moved workshops about half an hour away, but before I was like five minutes from the workshop. So like I live in the same apartment building as all the mechanics. And whatnot, but um, Tim Tim lives seven hours from there in Slovenia. Yeah, um, you guys would have obviously seen his new track that he's built there. So yeah, it looks pretty pretty he's got sick. Got the setup there. Um, yeah. How do you like Italy? I can imagine that's a pretty sweet place to live. Uh, yeah, it's not bad. I mean, um, for for riding, it's not the greatest. I mean, you have to drive like a fair way to track, and because it's such a populated area for MX, they kind of prep and flatten the tracks all week right so like you'll go to the track and it'll start to get rough and the weekend warriors will go up and say hey can you go and flatten the track and it, they'll just make it flat again at midday so yeah right okay i kind of thought italy would have been on the same program as you know, france or or you know some of those other countries in europe where the tracks just don't get groomed for months on end Nah, no nah, that's yeah Kind of, I mean, Belgium, you know, because that's kind of where all the pros are. They'll probably prep it um, a couple of days during the week, but everywhere else, um, they don't even prep it at all. And then Italy's kind of the only place where they do prep it every day. So uh, it's yeah, not the right. greatest okay. for training. So, yeah, I'm kind of trying to move at the moment. Um, but, yeah, hopefully we can get some somewhere else sorted soon. So what um, are you... How long are your contract with HRC? Have you have you got another year after this one, or are you year by year right now? No, nah, thankfully until the end of next year. Okay, awesome. Right, so that that kind of makes sense then because I, I didn't know specifics, but when I seen you come home, I was like, oh man, that is uh, second year into the ride. That that's a yeah. tricky, you know, with the wrist surgery, that's a long recovery. I didn't know how that would go for you with the contract, but if you've got another year, that's awesome. Um, that's definitely the right call to get everything yeah. fixed. Uh, so yeah, where, where it was kind of like a team decision. we like we sacrificed this year to make sure we're 100 percent for next year. Otherwise, if I didn't have a contract for next year, I'd be, you know, trying to put a band aid measure on it and go and racing at the moment. Yeah, so trying to secure. Thankfully, we're something. in that in that situation where safe for next year. Um, 
what was I going to say? Where do you have your eye on to live next? Are you going to go to Belgium or Holland or what are you thinking? Um, my first preference would be the southwest of France where okay. Livia's team is. Yeah. Um, it's great for riding. I mean, there's not as many, um, you know, top guys there, but kind of used to that um, being from Australia, living in Cairns, you know. Um, yeah, it's not exactly the, the, uh, the hub of motocross in Australia, yeah. is it up there? Although exactly. a lot of fast guys. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, anyway, there's really good tracks there. You don't have to drive far. It's great for living. It's a lot like Australia um, in the sense of, it's kind of, it really reminds me of the Sunshine Coast area. Um, good place. So, good know, place. Like, yeah, sand tracks, beach vibe, surfing, longboard and whatnot. And I've made a lot of friends there outside of motocross there too. So, you know, I'm not the type of person to be just all motocross 100% of the day. You know, I like to kind of get away from it, have that little bit of a break. So that's a good area to, to be there for that. Um, Mitch, Andy here. Um just a quick question in regards to, I mean, I mean you're at home at the moment. Um, yeah. Like you're looking to move back to, um, for, you know, the east, what was it, the east? South, South, France, South, South Coast. Coast yeah. yeah, South France. What's the commitments with the team at the moment? Are you supposed to be going over soon to, you know, do some press stuff or are you going to be like based in uh, Australia until you have, you're able to ride? Um, yeah, so pretty much it's I'm going to focus on doing all my um, physio here and, and recovery here at the moment and then, once I get the, the all clear to start riding, I'll probably do a little bit of riding here first just to make sure that's okay. Yeah. And then I'll head back there and, and um, hopefully we can still finish out some GPs before the year's out. Yeah, oh, that's that's cool to see, Mitch, is in, that they must see, I mean, not that they shouldn't, but they must see a lot of potential in you. But to invest in a, you know, a contract that, that spans multi-years for a, a a, a B rider on a factory team, that's not that common for, to my knowledge. You know, obviously Geyser has the long-term franchise contracts with Honda, um, as he should be in world champ. Uh, but they, they must really see something in you, man, to, to be investing in you like they are, which obviously the results you've gotten uh, with the rough run of injuries show that, that it's there. But, um, you know, hats off to you, man, because to say the same to Jed, there's not a lot of Aussies that have been able to make it work long-term over there. And you've been there three seasons now. You're going back for your fourth next year. Jed's been there five years. Um, you know, that's really, you know, you guys have established yourself as like mainstay MXGP guys, which is, it's not an easy thing to do being from overseas. Yeah, definitely not. It's, um, yeah, first of all, thanks for that. I appreciate that. Um, it's definitely been a big learning curve, but yeah, um, it's definitely not as easy as it looks on Instagram. That's for sure. You know, I'm sure we all, um, Jed goes through the same, you know, um, just, just try, even trying to sort visa or the language and food and whatnot, you know. So, but um, yeah, I think with the team, you know, they they seen how much how much time I didn't have on the bike before we went back racing last year and how quickly my results progressed. So they were pretty pretty um, stoked on that. And um, yeah, so they were just like, well, once you have a good off season, you know, we we believe you can be a top guy consistently every weekend. Um, and they understand that coming from the other side of the world too, it's going to take a few years to sort out. Um, even Giacomo said to me, he goes, oh, like even the first couple of preseason races that I did there with 114 in 2019, he goes, man, I've never seen anyone come over here and just first year, first race, have it sorted out. And, you know, normally it takes them to about midway through the year to kind of half get it sorted out. So 
um, he was really surprised at how fast I adapted to it. So I think you've always um, been a fast learner. Like you showed that that the first year on the 450, you know, it was a really rapid progression. Um, but yeah, that European deal was a whole other level. Like you, you, your learning curve. That's what I'm saying. Like for you to go from like contender in Australia to podium MX2 guy to then HRC, HRC like yeah. it happened in the blink of an eye. Um, it felt yeah. like, and we're so far removed from it over here at the moment. It feels like, cause our seasons have been so, you know, so messed up for the last yeah. few years with all this yeah. political COVID nonsense that's going on. Yeah. Um, you know, we, obviously it's the right choice for you to be over there, but we're almost, I think your, your career has progressed so much not being here now. It would be, it would be good to see you ride in person to see how fast you're going, I guess. is You know, I guess one of my questions is, do you, you you obviously ride with Tim, not not a lot, I'd imagine, during the, the week or whatever because of the, the, the different living areas. Yeah. But um, you, you can kind of run close to that pace. We've seen it in MX1. Like, do you think that's attainable for you to get there? Could you be an MXGP class winner, championship contender? Like, do you believe that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I wouldn't be sacrificing as much as I am to be over there. So um, I definitely believe that. I I know what I need to work on. You know, I found over there last year that I was, once I started um, improving, I found I could run their pace. I could race around the same pace as them for the whole motor. But as soon as I got into a little bit of a battle, I would, you know, be able to battle for two or three laps and then I was fatigued. So um that's just what i got to keep working on and, and it just comes from starting at the at, at the front every race you know you've seen it with prado he yep. he was the same he started at the front he would battle with the guys and drop off in the last 10 minutes and then it started to be only the last five minutes and then only the last couple of laps and then he ended up beating them so um it just takes that progression and time and time on the bike and making sure you're not um, yeah, getting it injured as often and, and missing the time on the bike. But I think it goes back to, to like my progression side of things is being from Cairns, being so far away from all the main things is all the main like motocross in Australia is every time we went away for a national, we had never ridden at that track. So I had to learn quickly. So I guess that from a young age, I was kind of learning that, those ropes kind of thing. And as a kid, I never really rode much. Um, so I always, you know, went to school and probably got to the track once on the weekend when we were racing. So I think, um, I tend to find even the time off the bike that I have doesn't really affect me that much. Um, yeah. because I seem to get back on the bike and, and pick off right where we left off. So yeah, as opposed to those kids that are so used to riding three, four times a week as, you know, in their home country and then they have the downtime or whatever and it kind of, you can see they really struggle with not being able to ride on that routine they're used to. Um, yeah. You know yeah, what? exactly. I, I, I think like with Livia, Livia even said to me, she now looks for kids who are still going to school and only riding a couple of times but still getting good results. Whereas kids that are out of school, you know, left school, they're riding and training professionally full time. Once they get to pros, they're, they're like, progression doesn't isn't as steep as some of the other guys. So, She's actually looking for for kids like that as well. Mitch, this is a this is a question team related. You know, I look at the teams over in the states. So I spent a bit of time over there. Um, you know, HSE Honda. Yeah. You look at you're like, man, that's incredible. You know, and and I think personally, the the teams over in Europe. You know, HRC over there. That's just clicks it to another level 
for the listeners on the podcast, like, what's it like being on a HRC team? Because, I mean, I couldn't even imagine. I mean, it, just, just, just tell sure. us about the bike. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. tell us about the bike. Is it insane? <laughs> like, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's a little bit different for me because if I think of it like, oh my God, that's insane, you know, I'm never going to be able to fit into that situation, you know. It's my everyday life now. Now, so true, true. I go, you know, they're, they're more my friends, you know, my all the mechanics and whatnot. But definitely when I first went there, like the structure that they had of testing and even going to the practice track, and they just have everything documented, you know, making, making sure they're not missing something, making sure that you wait until everybody's there so you only say it once rather than having to repeat it twice and you might say it a little bit differently to how how you said it to the first person and whatnot, you know. So it's just all the little things, making sure everything's documented and so then things don't get missed is, is the biggest thing. And, and I kind of like that because I've kind of always been like that, you know, want to make sure everything's written down um, so then if you can go back and, and check it. But, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's a little bit different now too with COVID because all the Japanese aren't there every weekend. You know, you got to do the Zoom call and whatnot. But um, definitely, like the infrastructure, when you walk through the paddock, it's um, it's pretty surreal. I mean, we have three trucks, you know, so one for the bikes, one for living, and then one for hospitality. So was it's it, definitely was, a big setup. Was there ever a moment, like once you started with HRC, was there ever a moment when you kind of just sat there and you're like, oh, like dude, I'm I'm on HRC, like this is. Like, crazy. Like, started you know, like, from the bottom, now we're here playing yeah, in the like, background. Serious, like, a moment where you kind of just sat there and you're like, damn, like, this is, like, it's pinnacle. the pinnacle. Of the yeah. Sport, yeah. You know? Was there ever that moment for you, or has it just been kind of. Uh, I think Mitch is too level headed for that. He's yeah. super, super. Um, yeah. No, no, absolutely. There was that time because, I mean, you dream of it as a little kid, you know? That's always like, where I want to get there one day. That's where I always want to be. And so for sure, there was a moment where I sat down and I was like, wow, okay, I'm here. I need to now reset my goals and my expectations. And so rather than that being so, you know, so far away thinking I'm never going to achieve it. Okay, I'm here now. I need to reset, make some new goals and, and try to achieve them. So it's always, yeah, I mean, you can't always live in disbelief. Um, otherwise, it will get taken away from you pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can, re- yeah, I can understand that. As far as like you said, it's like take a moment, acknowledge it, how far you've come. All right, now Game this on. is your normal. Yeah. So let's let's set those yeah. goals, and maybe that's that's the key to your success because you've been able to do that each time you've leveled up. Yeah. Um, whether it was here in Australia, whether it's over there, that's that's pretty cool to see, man. Um, yeah, absolutely, and always be grateful too. You know, always be grateful where you've come from and where you're at. I think is a big thing. Now, Mitch. Bringing back to you when you were in Australia um, and comparing that to Europe, your HRC mechanics, how do they compare to Sean Featherstone from Raceline? Because <laughs> <laughs> Sean knows um, his way around a bike pretty well. Yeah, he does. Um, I mean, he, my mechanics over there probably don't drink as much as Sean does. <laughs> well, you know, I don't think anyone drinks as much as liquid. Sean. Big, bit of liquid courage, really, you know. Yeah, I mean, he does it. He does a good well. He does well to keep going. That's for sure. <laughs> um, 
Do we have listener questions for Mitch? Uh, um, we did, yeah. So always uh, question from at Always Moto. I think we answered this earlier in the show. They wanted to know um, the reasoning of behind coming back and having the surgery here and what your recovery will look like. And obviously we've been through a bit of that. So when will you, you know, do you have a time frame of when you'll head back to Europe? Um, yeah, well, I have another checkup um, next Thursday, which will be a two-week checkup. Get another X-ray, see how the healing's going, and then he said, um, after the six-week mark, it kind of looks, you know, normally it looks like it's healed pretty well. And um, he said, if everything goes well, then you can start looking at getting back on the bike. So, okay. um, yeah, maybe in in six weeks' time, and then yeah, was, I've kind of had a look at the calendar and that would give me a month back on the bike before nations. Um, I mean, I haven't put my name in for nations and, and I don't know if I'll be ready for it, but, um, I definitely want to, that was the next question. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So we, we, we brought that up to Jed, but I guess we'll, we'll have that same conversation with you. I mean, to, yeah. to me, uh, or to us, at least you and Jed, with, with another rider for the Australian team is a no-brainer. You guys are there. Your, your team's bikes, life is there. Um, but I, we don't really know a concrete structure for the event yet, so it's kind of a bit up in the air, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, that's a little bit of a difficult one. I mean, I can't really see them how they're going to do point systems uh, to the championship. How's that going to work when not everyone from – can ride from the GPs can ride for their country. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it's like a bizarre. How many Italians are, are in the series? They're not all going to get picked for Team Italy. So yeah, true, true. It's uh, I mean, obviously, you, you have a history of performing well at that event, so it'd be great to have you Definitely. there um, representing Australia. Who would you? Yeah, who? well, thanks. I mean, I I've always said if I'm always healthy every year, I want to race. Um, you know, I love representing Team Australia. So it's a little bit difficult at the moment because, you know, I can't say whether I'm going to be ready or not. And obviously, Team Australia need to make a decision on who they're going to pick. But um, I think I showed last year, you know, I only had two weeks back on the bike before Latvia and then only three weeks on the bike before I um, ended and I started getting into the top five by then. So I think if I have a month on the bike by then, um, we should be in a pretty good shape. We, we asked uh, this to Jed as well. So if you are on the team, who do you want to see as your teammates? Um, if I'm on the team, I would probably, it would be a difficult one. Um, obviously, I think Jet on the 250. Um, and then on the other 450, it's yeah hard decision between Hunter or Jed. Um, I don't know Jed's situation there with um, with Tasuana, whether they would let him get on a 450 before the end of the season. He rides a 450 um, good. Like I've seen him ride one before. He rides it well. Yeah, um, but absolutely. And I'm sure Hunter does too. You know, um, I think I all know, you guys at your level can can make it work. But then, you, like you said, if Jed's riding MX1 or MX3, but it's an MX2 championship round, how in the world does that work? Exactly. Like it's, exactly. it's bizarre. But um, we, we have another listener question, um, Mitch. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of this guy. His name's um, Jeff Munro. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> um, and Jeff wants to know: Are you in for Tour de Farm for this year? Uh, don't know. I don't know if I'll <laughs> even get the invite for that one. I think it's invitation only this year, so you're gonna have to speak to the organisers of that one. I hear your brother's pretty heavily involved in organising that one. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, him and Jackson are the founders of it. So. They're pioneers, yeah, really. they are. They are pioneers in the field. Um, I messaged yeah. your brother the other day, actually. How's he doing? We had a brief chat. Seems like he's doing pretty good. Yeah, um, yeah, he's doing good. He actually um, had hit, had a shoulder operation on Wednesday by the same doctor, so he's back on the mend. Uh, yeah, he's taking some time off work because, yeah, he's always had a dodgy shoulder from racing MX, but, yeah, unfortunately fell off a uh, ladder at work. And um, yeah, time to get it fixed. So yeah, yeah. I asked him. Uh, there, so. I asked him now he's had surgery. Is he going to come back to race him? But I couldn't really get an answer out of him. So um, yeah, um, yeah. Don't don't really know what his sort of plans are there. That's for sure. Uh, he's he's having fun either way. He's training jats a little bit. It looked like so that'll be that'll be an interesting uh, program. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, uh, well, training's a strong actually, word for it. Know, well, yeah, but, but he was always fit, probably, man. He was uh, always fit and fast. But on the bike, when it comes to like technique and on the bike and whatnot, Richie is probably the best coach that I've ever been coached by, hands down, without a doubt. So. Yeah, I, I, that's the thing. Well, I'm, I'm actually, your brother, I, I feel like has unfinished potential in the sport. Um, you know, he did so well for such little time and injuries, I think, in certain aspects of his career that it's a shame that maybe he didn't get to go further with it because even in Supercross man like the last OzX Open he did he killed it um, was he yeah. riding the 450 in yeah the 450 Yamaha and yeah. where, where did he get that race he was like 6 or something yeah you know um, yeah. very quiet achieved but man he's got some yeah, he's quite a Supercross rider he's always been fit and fast yeah. and and, and uh, I like you you know you guys as, as brothers as a family your attitude on the sport it, it's, it's cool but um, either way man look, I know you said you got something to get to tonight so I don't want to keep you for too long um but yeah, thanks for taking the time to come on the show, Mitch. I appreciate it. And uh, hopefully, let's get you back on when you're in Europe and you're back uh, killing it at the races. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate having me on anytime. Always uh, love a bit of insight from MXGP. Um, I think it's good to, to always hear from us boys over there, kind of get a bit of inside knowledge too. So yeah, definitely, whenever man. you want, hit us up. I appreciate it. I'll um, Let's touch base before you go back and we'll, we'll get some contact details for when you're in Europe and whatnot. We'll go from there. Too easy. Thanks, guys. All right, Appreciate legends, it. Mate. Thanks, man. Thanks, Todd. Yeah. All right, guys. Um, Mitch Evans. What a legend. Yeah. I know I say it every time, but really, like, the guys that are over there, they're pretty humble blokes, pretty easy to talk to, super, like... I don't think it works if they don't. They don't, no, you know, exactly. That, you can tell, like, Jed, Mitch, like, that personality type. Yeah. Um, Australian, but... Not, uh, how can I say it? I don't know, like... Not Jed, Bogan. No, like, Jed's not from a big city. Yeah. Um, Mitch isn't from a big city. Yeah. You know, I think if you're, like, a Melbourneian or you're, like, a sunny coast guy or, or you're... Sydney. A, like, you're a lot more, like, tied into a... I don't want to say culture. It's the wrong word. You know what I'm saying, right? I know what you're saying. A, and a and lifestyle? I don't that know. you should bring like, that up. I mean, you look at some of the best guys that have gone to um, Europe. Jeff Lee's lived in WA, fairly removed from anything... Um, I you know, guess, like, the cool the scene, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, correct. And you look at, you know... Um, Reed's from Curry Curry. Reed's from Curry Curry. Yeah. He did. He ripped and teared over in Europe. You know, Ando, same Ando, deal. Ando, same deal. Lawrence um, is a... Where Ferris, are is, Ferris is from freaking... Um, get to nowhere, turn left. Yeah, where is yeah. he from again? Kyogle. Uh, Kyogle. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like... And, but you look at all these guys that have come from places that are fairly rural, that have gone to these... You know, you're going to Europe, and I think there's something to it, man. There is, man. There's yeah. something. There is something. I don't know what it is, 
But, it, you know, I would love to speak with those guys uh, more in depth and just, you know, understand where they've come from. And I think it's you get a bit more resilience and stuff coming from yeah. one of those smaller towns where you've got yeah. to fight for everything that yeah. you get. Everything that you got. Yeah. yeah. It's I, easier to be seen when you're a Melbourneian or, a you know, from Sydney or... Well, Brisbane. when you're in the scene, you're in... The industry is basically either one of the three major hubs on the East Coast. Yeah. If you're not from there, you're not... You know, you're having a scrap to drive across the country to go to any race... To get any media attention, correct, and the only you know the only attention you'll get is if you're on the top, right? And yeah. you know that, you know, if you're winning, well, not from every- personal experience, <laughs> but. <laughs> but if you're on the top top step, you, yeah, you know, everyone's taking the photos of you, everyone's getting the publicity, and I guess it's a goal for those guys that are in the rural. They're going to work their ass off to so that when they get to those cities, and that's that the thing too, like um, Jeb was saying before, you know, they're going to drive what seven hours to to a, to check to a public, races, yeah, yeah, in you know. Maybe not so much for Jeb, but for someone like Mitch, to get anywhere in Queensland, you've got to drive. Yeah, that's driving out the street yeah, to the like, corner store in in Cairns, seven hours to go and, anywhere. And I mean, you know, he's also had uh, cousins and brothers that have always been older than him, pushing him along to say, "Hey, it's not a coincidence that he's the younger brother and he's so good." Like you right? see it all the time, all the time. You know, all um, the time. No, that's not, I mean, look, it's, you could tell he's bummed, but I didn't know he had a, another year on his contract. So that's now good. it that's makes really sense. Good. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people underrate, like everyone looks at the Lawrence brothers in America and they're like, oh, they're factory Honda. Mitch's bike. Oh, Mitch, Mitch's, Mitch's bike would be even more exotic. Cause than that's, it's works bikes. They're not, I would do unspeakable things <laughs> to get a ride to on just that bike. Ride that bike, not get a ride, just ride it one mm. time. You know, Could yeah, you, imagine? you can tell he's having to be like, yeah, it's no big deal because it would get in his head about oh, 100%. the opportunity, but that thing would I be just wanted unreal. to be like, just you know, what, just tell what electronics do you have on yeah. that bike, or what frame are you running this weekend? Yeah, because yeah. I've heard so That's, much about that how the, the thing would be worth. I don't even. Oh, you couldn't put a dollar amount on it. Yeah. Like you that, could not put a dollar amount on the development in that bike. Rear shock alone would be. Well, think about guys are running that twenty one Honda in twenty, and yeah. the development they would have done on that. And bike. they've always been like GPs. Are obviously, they running the works bikes they always run the year prior yeah it's, they, they so don't they're seeing, they're they're seeing stuff that we're not even thinking of I mean that's where I say you know American HRC sick don't, yeah but it ain't you close. click to that you know European Whoa. HRC and those European teams like have yeah. you seen the setups that roll out well, that's like, what he's talking about man three semi trucks for his I mean, team man. Man, and like, they've got two riders and one's probably just for meetings the other one's for the riders and then the other one's for the mechanics to work on I mean I haven't been to an MXGP since 2006 I remember I used to go a lot when I was younger right when I lived in the UK yeah and back then it was impressive impressive yeah. and that was what 17 no 15 16 years ago whatever but I guess what I'm getting at is as the world has progressed the level that that series is on now it's the pinnacle of I mean I've had this conversation with Donnell a lot my opinion for the future of the sport I'm not talking this next year the year after I'm not even talking like five years yeah long term stuff long term this is where I feel it goes I feel that you have AMA Supercross Mm -hmm. and you have MXGP that's it and I think AMA Nationals kind of goes away and becomes a bit of like a B like Arena Cross used to be nah not at that level but like you know, you're going to have B factory guys doing motocross. Yeah. And I feel like the elite American motocross guys need to go to Europe. Are going to go to MXGP. And then the elite Europeans the, go to Supercross. 
well, no, for, I like, think for, like, like they're supercross guys. If they're that way inclined mm. at a young age, they would go ride supercross. Yeah. But basically, you've got to have supercross and MXGP because MXGP is going to become the F1 of yeah. the sport. Like it already has, but for motocross. I've got a theory on this, and this is kind of current. Um, you look at Cooper Webb, cl- like cleaned up supercross. Like, yeah. Ripping and tearing, right? Yeah. And you see him in motocross, and he's like a seventh and eighth guy. Yeah. I personally have a, like, I've got a gut feeling that he's just saying, you know what? I've made my money in Supercross. Motocross isn't really paying shit. I don't know that for sure, but, you know, I'm just, you know, this is all speculation. Yeah. yeah. He's going, and if I keep safe through Motocross, I'm going to be fine where the real money's made in Supercross and I'll be ready and I'll be healthy. Yeah. Right? Except for when Chase Sexton scrubs dishes in your back wheel. (laughs) Rolled him. Golly, Dude. That was about as bad as it could get. And you know what? I thought to myself, oh, he got off pretty easily. He hit the ground so hard. Yeah, he got low-sided. He kept racing, which is dope. Yeah, I don't... I I mean, that's the thing with Webb, right? You go, Acadia, I'm going to pay him any less to just do Supercross. No. I don't know. But I think I mean, you see more of those of Supercross on top if he has a couple good rounds. And plus, I think he likes to race, man. He I does. Think. But I guess for the future, what I'm saying is, I'm not talking... It isn't even going to be the generation coming up after them. No, it, I agree. You know, yeah. But it's going to be... The, the generation, maybe Danger Boy Deegan's generation, that yeah, yeah. I don't know, would they even, would the contracts be structured in when he's ready to go 450 in like, what, eight years or something? Yeah. You've got to think about how long into the future that is. Oh, I agree. And th- and I agree with what you're saying. I think that, you know, you're going to have MXGPs, which are going to be the pinnacle, which are already the pinnacle. They're going to be ripping and tearing over there. And you're going to have Supercross in America. I agree. I'm yeah. just saying that for right now, yeah, yeah. I think that you make more money in Supercross, hands down. Or and then they, could, they could spread the Supercross series out a bit more then. Like you look at GPs, how many rounds are there? 20? Yeah. I th- uh, across a year. Yeah, they're trying to cram 17 Supercrosses and 12 motocross rounds yeah. into a year. That gives guys more time of a break, really, like you see the guys in the GPs. If they do get hurt, they've got that bit of a break. They're not going to miss an entire season. Well, it's that. I mean, the, the, the manufacturers want motocross as well because that's their core demographic. They, yeah. they go into country, middle America. That's, you know, um, and that's... You are middle America. Yeah, and I don't think people understand how middle America <laughs> yeah, you're the, the nationals are. Deep. You, <laughs> you are up to your knees yes. in wherever you are at. Like Redbud, nah, Southwick. Redbuds especially, dude. Yeah. When you're there, you're like, okay, <laughs> we, are, we aren't in Florida anymore. <laughs> you um, Didn't you win a regional at Redbud? Yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah, I won a regional there. It was muddy as. I raced with Seth Hamaker that race, and he raced 250 Pro. I raced 450 Open Pro Sport and 250 Pro. He beat me in 250. I beat him um, on the 450. Yeah. I was racing my 350. Yeah, yeah, I remember. That, that was... Um, did you yeah, jump in the leap? I hole shot it, so... Yeah. Oh, Did yeah. you jump the leap? No. <laughs> no, dude. It I never asked nuts. you that. Is it that big? Wait, it's... <laughs> I looked at that Let and me I tell thought, you. mate, that is a hike. And one of my mates, Carter, he rides pit bikes professionally now. <laughs> yeah. Um, we called him Joe Dirt, legend. He's centered on his 250. And do you remember that dude flying through the air on that Lorico leap on the KTM? Yeah. 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 It was like circulating. That yeah. was him. He yeah. did it that race. I was like, dude, you're wild. That, I would never do yeah, that. Yeah, right. Because I don't know. You look on camera, you're like, oh, it's just rough and they no, can't she, get a run she, of it. She's like a big girl. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big one. What is it? Uh, 150, 150 feet? Lip oh. to lip? I don't know how. I don't know if it's that long, but man, you go high. Dude, it's pretty nice. I thought like, of 350. I remember like, that. It's 
you're falling from and the stratosphere. And what's gnarly is that you like jump onto it, and then as you jump on, you have to like obviously jump off for it. And there's like a double off that, and you're thinking, oh, like this is big. But then you're like, oh no, I got to actually triple this. This is yeah. Like, it's just the, massive. the only thing I can liken that to is, do you remember way back in the day at Conondale oh, when they the had big that extension. massive thing? Yeah. And I remember walking that track in twenty, uh, whatever year it was. Yeah. And I'm like. That's really big, but it's doable. Yeah. And then I remember riding it and um, jumping the double and then like shifting gears before you got off the downside of the big one. And I was like, man, there's no way anyone's <laughs> jumping that. Like <laughs> I'm shifting gears on the ground. And then I remember being out there and hearing the crowd lose their shit because Townley and Boppo jumped it in qualifying. And like, I literally got back and I was like, there's... If you gave me the car park, I wouldn't jump <laughs> that's, that. That's dumb. Like that's, that's just stupid. <laughs> yeah, I think people, if you were to go to Conondale... Dropping out. Oh, if you were to go to Conan Dale now, it's nowhere near as big as it used to be. No, that that first year, and it must it be the same with Resbar because everyone's like, "Oh man, that's a sick jump!" But like, no, it's big. It's big. <laughs> like, as in, as a rider that most. Remember Longy jumping the extension? You know what? Else? But even then, it had shrunk from. Yeah, it was still a big jump. It was a big jump. It was a big jump, but. Man, um, yeah, I thought I, I don't know. I never asked you that about Redbud. Yeah, no, nah, she's a big girl. I tell you, I literally remember. I remember it so clearly because I was like. I'm going to go have a look at the Rocco's Leap. I'm going to do it. Like, I'm Everyone's here, like, I'm here. are you sure you're going to do it? I'm like, dude, I'm going to do <laughs> I've it. I've got this. Like, you shitting me? Yeah. I didn't come all this way not to do it. And I remember standing in front of it thinking, fuck. <laughs> 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 I don't think I'm going to do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to scrub this. I'm yeah. definitely going to scrub so this. I didn't do it. But, you know, don't regret it because just, I probably would have died. All right, well, um, let's, uh, uh, on that. Before we wrap up, let's just. No, I was going to say on that note, let's turn AMA. But, oh, okay. Can we talk Bef- AMA? Yeah. Before, before we do that, let's just flash back to Mitch Evans for a little bit. He said he was 22, yeah? Yes. So that means when he was in MX1 over here, he was, he was, 19. was, 19, he was 19, battling with Dean Ferris. And really was one of the only guys that was really putting it to Ferris that He's year. He's a bad and, dude, man. And Dino was on that year. Yeah, make no make no mistake. And Mitch that's the thing you've got to look at dude. now. We've we spoken about it on the AMX shows and stuff like that. You've got to be young to go over there. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people forget how young Mitch was when he went over there. Well, yeah, he was the same age, if not younger than Jed. Um, and he's... I think they yeah, 18, 19 when yeah, they went over. obviously... Um, at the time they went over. Yeah. You know, I know Jed's older than him now, but I guess what I'm saying is that um, because he's gone straight to MX1, you assume he's older. You'd think but he's, he's already aged out or something like yeah, that. Yeah, but he hasn't. Um, and you can see that relationship that he's got with Livia from 114. Yeah. I think that definitely played a part in the rides going to Bailey and Nathan. Oh, it became the Aussie pipeline, you know? Big time. Because... You can see that he's still got a relationship with that team. He's like, when we, you know, when you ask where's he going to go, he wants, he wants to, go, to go back there. Wants to go back there. So obviously something was working there, and that obviously the team likes the Australians. Like they've had Hunter, they've had Mitch, they've had Bailey, they've had Nathan. Mm. Uh, it's Talia's right. Yeah, Talia's there now, so she's the next Aussie on the team. So it's like, um, all right. So who's the next to go? Because that seems to be like the pipeline for the Aussies at the moment. Be interesting to see who's next, but um, definitely not Andy Dinicol. That's who's well, no, not he's after the amount of beers I drank on the weekend. But <laughs> yeah, that's long, <laughs> long into civilian life now. Um, there maybe was a time. There was a time. There was a time where I was ripping and tearing, but yeah. that was a long time ago. It's crazy to think how long ago that year was yeah. where we had a crack at, at you really having a crack. Yeah. Yeah. It's good um, year though. I, like, still, I really enjoyed doing that preseason with you. It was sick. We it had was a lot good. of fun. It was a lot of fun. And you were going really fast. We were ripping. I was like, I remember I was riding at Park 4 and I was 
I remember always looking up to Cade, you yeah. know, riding, and then I was, like, riding with him, keeping up with him, and I was like, this is weird, you know? I remember being on a 50 with that dude. And yeah, yeah, and he yeah. was the guy. I mean, I also remember you watching you ride the biggest endo <laughs> in history <laughs> in your house. Twice. <laughs> Twice. Oh, oh, my God. I think we spoke about this, pre- like, I don't think on we've, the pod. Not on the pod, we haven't, dude. But... I had a set of rollers at my house after a tabletop. I'm not even single. talking about that one. Oh, I'm talking, but yeah, tell this story and first. I was tripling. I went triple, triple, and I was on my 350 at the time. And I remember looking at it, going, "I can, I can quad that." We're all I, sitting on this on this wall jump. It's like in between motos. I've got the pit board. Everyone's sitting there, like Jacko and that were there that day. I think yeah. Simo. And you're like, "I'm a quad that," and I was like. Ooh, I don't I know if do you that. need to do that right now. And and before I even had a chance to say, don't do it. I was already on my way. He literally bumped, like p- button pushed the bike, rolled in and just goes, and like, you know, the worst mistake was that I thought I'm going to seat bounce this because I come into it too fast. I'm seat bounced. And it's literally a ejecto seedoed me. I can feel my friggin' feet slapping me on the back of the head. Dude, your now. feet went so high, and and I'm just standing on this scrub jump with so everybody. The gap, or? and I'm like, the season's done. The season's done. Like I rode out of it. You did, yeah. And then he somehow, and you went four. Yeah, and I went four. <laughs> Wasn't pretty, but I did it. Doing four, three three on a four fifty was hard enough, you know. I freaking hit my head on the handlebars <laughs> so hard, dude. He just comes back and like kills the bike and sits there, and I'm like, "You good?" <laughs> and he's you like, done? "Yep." <laughs> like, Let's just move on. And then that next week. You come around to that ski jump. And I hit a rock in the and face. And you hit a rock in the face. And, dude, this was, like, out of a flat turn. The ski jump was, like, as big as this table. Fourth right? gear. But fourth gear, like, floaty. And and he hits this rock, and the endo... I, I, I honestly feel that that endo went 100 meters. I felt it on my face. <laughs> and I'm like, he's got it. He's going to pull it. He's going to pull it. He's going to pull it. And, and each time the front wheel turns, the front end gets lower oh. and lower. And then... Dude, just the biggest ejecto Cardi. head slap <laughs> destroyed the subframe. Oh, man. Good preseason, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> went real well. But we came out swinging. So let's talk about AMA because oh, I am loving it at the moment. I don't know about you, like the amount yeah, of winners yeah. in the 250 class we've got. You know, huge variety. Shout out to Lex Wall, you know. Yeah, that's, that's your boy, isn't it? That's you my tra- boy. used to train with him. Yep. Um. But it's what did you name drops? <laughs> what did you guys reckon of uh, Spring Creek? Um, look, I, I say this every show. I struggle to find the time to watch all the races. You didn't watch it, did you? No, I've watched both four fifties. I haven't got okay. two fifties yet, okay. so I can't comment heaps on the two fifties. But um, if we start with four fifties, what do I think? Um, I think it was bizarre that Roxon didn't continue continue in that first moto. Now yeah. I know. I know that he got hit really hard. And oh, I know that he's had that many injuries that he has every right to make sure he's okay. Who got hit harder, him or Hurlings? Uh, Roxton definitely got hit harder. Yeah, he I think Hurlings really just got hit in the right, right spot yeah. with that fork leg on his scapula. But um, I found it I found it bizarre that he... I, I, I heard the bike was messed up. The header pipe was crushed. I, I don't know. We weren't there. Who the fuck knows? Sorry. Yeah. But I felt that was really strange. Uh, and then he just comes out and just dominates dominates Moto too. So it makes you think, okay, I guess, I mean, you've broke ribs. We've all had rib hits. Mm-hmm. If you got broken ribs, if he was really that hurt and pulling that off, 
hats off to him. I couldn't do it. No. I'll be honest. Because you can barely breathe, dude. Bad. You know? Yeah. Um, but that was impressive that he won the second moto. I don't know about the first moto, but either way, impressive. Um, second moto, sorry, Barsha, that was really cool. Um, I still don't understand how he just does not shut off anywhere mm. and makes it like... Dude, you know what, though? Like, <clears throat> I've watched Barsha for a long time. I've rode at his house before. He's a... Hello, <laughs> drop, drop, drop. <laughs> you know, I've... He's always been someone I've like, that's a, he's badass on a bike. But have you noticed his, like, whole riding style's changed in the last, like, 12 months? We're going to the gas gas. Yep. Yeah, it's yep. funny how a steel frame will do that to you. I think, like, no, I think it suits him for the better. 100%. Big but, yeah. like, he looks way different on the bike. He looks lighter. I think he's lost weight, too. Like, he's training... Yeah. I think he's training different. How much of a... How how much do you think Will Hahn has complimented... Clearly, it's doing? done... That's a, that's a good deal for everyone. Mentally. Well, maybe not for Star, but for everyone else. You can't make that much difference in, like, a month. I'm sorry. I don't care how good of a trainer you are. I mean... You've worked with the best with me, Andy. You know this, but um, <laughs> but what I'm saying is, there's some a lot of egos going oh, yeah, on in this room right now. To the listeners, mentally, mentally for for Justin, it's done something. Him being there because in a month, really, physically, it's not going to do anything. It'll start to make a difference, but mentally, mentally and at talking. that level, you know, you would know mm. how important the mental edge is at that level. Yeah. Um, and I think that it like I think it speaks volumes. I mean, look at the Star Racing team, how like how great they've gone, mm. how successful they've been with him on the team. And since him being on the team with Gas Gas, Moserman, amazing weekend. Yeah, Moserman. But <coughs> he goes back on it. Uh I mean I think he went Drake got Yeah, two four probably. Not Drake. Who's the Brett Pierce Brown, Brown got Brown absolutely annihilated. Let's talk about that. <laughs> Because that involves Jet too. Now, Jet Did you has see had Jet's some bike. Yeah. As in um, how he finished the moto with that pipe. He's probably the baddest dude on a motorcycle at the moment. There's not many guys that could get that bike to the finish line. Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah. Completely just, just destroyed, like down by the foot peg. That's the thing. Like, as much as you don't want to, like, Jet's had a couple off weekends now. And when I'm saying off weekends, he's got, what, a fourth and a fifth or something like that. Yeah, but it's just not. But been... it's starting to, like, is it, I don't want to say it's starting to unravel. But it just seems like the consistency is dropping off when you're going against someone in a championship like Justin Cooper, who is always at the pointy end. Yeah, he's not flashy, but he's always there. I, I don't know. I think that class is so unpredictable, and even more so, you're almost at the mercy of guys like crashes like that and crazy stuff happening in MX2 over there. Well, that's the thing. Like you look at it now, <laughs> Hunter's in third in that championship. If I'm not wrong. Yeah, and he I hasn't mean, had an unbelievable year. So it's and he's you know went out and got went one one at Southwick. Yeah, yeah, awesome ride. Yeah, I think you're seeing maybe the rounds that the, the tracks over there. I think just lend themselves to in the two fifties. You can go as fast as your bike. I mean, you've go. heard Jet literally say, "I couldn't have rode my bike any faster because the, of you know the conditions." Yeah. You don't get that a lot in MXGP. Like they have to ride to the conditions. I think in America, the way the track prep is, it's ride the thing as fast as it'll go. You see a track like Southwick where you can't do that. Yeah, that's where Hunter really his Clean MXGP up. sort of shines through, and you'll see it at um, some of the other rounds later on, like Washougal, where yeah. you can't just hammer the thing. Yeah, on those wide open rounds, the Yamahas are obviously going to be strong. 
Yeah. And and we've seen that. Well, um, at Millville over the weekend. Like, obviously, it's Jeremy Martin's backyard. Obviously, helps him. Yeah, if he didn't win that round, he wasn't going to win another round the rest of the year. But That's you know, the thing. I watched him ride, and, like, I'm a big Jeremy Martin fan. I think he rips, and I think he's ripped Did for you a ride time. at his house as well? No, nah, mm. but I was going to drop something <laughs> if I could. Go on. Go. No, I Please can't. go on. I didn't tell. have anything, but I would have. Oh, right. You know, yeah, if yeah, I had yeah. the opportunity, I would have. Yeah. Um, but... You know, um, actually, his my old mechanic is his mechanic, so there is a little bit of a drop there. Really? Yeah. Um, practice practice mechanic? Practice, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Kyle Lawler. There you do. go. Yeah. But anyway. Um, <laughs> Why weren't you more successful? <laughs> well, you know, because I sucked. So. Yeah, no, you didn't. <laughs> and his career was, in my opinion, you spent too long in amateurs. That yeah. That's my only, you know. I what? think the downfall was you started your career with Joe as your trainer. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, we had we, some good results. Maybe up, if you were with yeah. Ross Beaton. Well, oh, maybe. there you go. Shooting, shooting some fire there. Um, yeah, I don't know, have a uh, resume like that. I'll take it. <laughs> Get, getting back to uh, Jeremy, I think he, like, I watched him in both of those races and he was obviously ripping and tearing, but he made it look really hard. Like, it wasn't a time where I looked at him and like thought, oh, he's he's making it look easy. He's cruising. It wasn't There's flowing. Flow, I don't know? think I've ever seen him ride. And he doesn't ride like that. No, he and doesn't. And you look at the new generation coming through, Jet Lawrence, Max Volland, Jalik Swell a little bit, but those boys are both like so light on their feet, so like smart with riding. Their line choice is incredible. Like even Michael Moseman to the point, he is... He, this weekend for him was so those two yeah, those yeah. two you just said then Jet and Volan yeah. both come from European experience yeah it's true Volan I, I, I think I, I, that kid needs that kid one has more a year. massive like future I agree um, the injuries he's had and um, I think everyone forgets that like he is a straight up rookie like, he's like yeah. what 17 he's like, 17, 17. 17 like he to me he's the real deal yeah um, he but real. then he's that, he's you that look next at what Jet was doing at 17 it's not the same journey but it, I think he, they're going to end up in first year, man. Like, well, that's what I was going to say. I think they're going to end up in the same place. Yeah. It's just a little bit of different journey. I think that is that next that next generation coming. I'm going to name drop this. Oh, here we go. Oh, here we go. There we go. Yeah, last time I was in America uh, in 2016, we were at uh, Polar, and um, and obviously coming from the UK, Talon Volum was a big deal when I was a kid doing the GPS. So um, he was there with his dad and his granddad. And I started chatting to his granddad because I'm like, holy shit, that's Talon Voland. You're Talon Voland's dad. Like, wow, this is awesome, you know? So I'm just, yeah. just fanning out hard. And I ended up chatting to his um, granddad for like 30 minutes just watching um, Max. Max ride. And and he was talking about how they don't do it the way the amateur scene is done in America. They do their own program. Yeah. Talon knows exactly how to get him there from his MXGP days. Yeah. And, and I just kind of got a rundown of... Um, you know, I met Talon, shook his hand real quick and said, g'day, but like, just the rundown of how they were doing things. And he's like, granddad was like, yeah, Talon travels a lot with work. He manages um, a Cherby's in America. America, So he goes to Europe a lot. Um, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. what? A service. <laughs> a service? How do you say it? What the hell did you say? <laughs> a Cherby's. A Cherby's. That's what I say in Europe. And it's a service in America. And it's whatever you can make a meal out of it here. <laughs> Mate, all right, just keep going. Anyway. What, what hey, do you, you call said, it? Lamel? Yeah, Lamel. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. So what? <laughs> anyway, but he was like, you know, tell him what's take him with him, go train in Europe. Um, didn't he do some GPS as well? Yeah, yeah. he did some GPS. Like, I think he was. Was he racing AMX as well? No, he uh, rode MX two. At like sixteen, dude. I thought he rode a one, that one two five. Yeah, class. I thought he. Sorry, rode. he did. He did. All right, my bad. I'm out to lunch there. But yeah. regardless, 
doing their own program um, makes a big difference. You can see the sports changing where this farm system of, and I mean, I hate to say it, and we're not, and I really don't genuinely like talking about other series that, talking about MHGP is fine because we're talking to Aussie guys. I don't like talking about race series or races that we have no connection to because you don't know what's going on. Yeah, and, and a lot of a lot of a lot of shows nowadays and the way the internet is there's so much access to people talking about things that they're not mm. close to. So I don't think that you can always comment and have any kind of um, real opinion when well, you're not there. Yeah, exactly. But with that being said, you got to look at the system in America which I think is extremely broken. Is in Who's the rookies, you know, Thrasher, Fry, at Yamaha? Yeah. That, I mean, Thrasher well, actually had some pretty big rise in Supercross, didn't he? He won Atlanta. Let's just look at the list wins. of guys that we've got here. Pierce Brown, Factory, you know, he's doing really good. But, you know, who knows what t- next year will bring him. Ty Masterpool just got off star, was ripping. He's a, it was his second year or something. Yeah. Let him go. Yeah. Uh, they also, he also Garrett has Marchbank. the best Instagram clip of all time. Time us full. Well, with the from, 50 Cent song? Yeah. yeah. Film yeah. Guy Tom. Killed it. Um, Just had to put that out there. No, you're a big fan of that. I oh, am too. It's, oh, yeah. Sick. Garrett Marchbanks uh, got dropped from Kawasaki. Jarrett Fry, he's like... Not doing that Not much. doing that flash hot. I don't know. I'm speaking out of terms, but, you know, who's to say he's getting a ride next year? I don't know. Yeah. it's. I mean, um, you look at how many guys have got dropped, like Drake, like Cantrell, like all these kids that came through the system... That's just too off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you look at someone like Dylan, is it Dylan Swartz? Yeah. Like doing his own deal, some weird deal, riding a Suzuki and getting results. Yeah. And he is killing it. Yeah. They put um, a lot of money into that team though. It's really good to see that it those is. guys are ripping. Larry Brooks is the team manager, but I guess what I'm getting at is I don't, and you hear Mitch talking about Livia Lancelot managing the Honda team in Europe saying, we don't want kids that don't go to school anymore. Like, mm. I think, and even... I don't know. Is that going to hurt someone like you? Look at someone like the Danger Boys and the um, Evan Ferries that are nah, just nah, nah, nah. They're they're different level. That's different. Yeah, I mean, Andy, guys, like you yeah, can comment, Andy. You used to live with Tim Ferry. Yeah. So how, how Another about name drop? <laughs> he's been he's done a lot of shit, man. But you used to live and train with Timmy. So what was Evan like back then? Well, it's just different. I mean, when you're when you're surrounded with guys like Martin Davalos riding at the nest with you know Andy Dinicol, yeah, you know, yeah. But like when you're surrounded, <laughs> do you with walk that, into places just like Ron Burgundy? Like, hi, I'm a big deal. <laughs> I used to. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, you, you, if you're surrounded with that all your life, it you don't know any different. So you just automatically think, okay, I've got all the right ingredients here to be better, to be the best. Look at Evan at the moment. Like he's probably he's probably going to win all the Rotolins Championship on the one two five, and he's going to be a good bet next year on the two fifty B class. Yeah, there's no doubting that. He's ripping at the moment. But in saying that, if you're surrounded with all those ingredients and you, you've got you know, the recipe there, well, you know you're going to do it. But it's for the guys that are like um, Chance Hymas at the moment, right? He's riding for Kawasaki in the A class. Well, he's got a good you know, good surrounding around him, but he's based in Arizona. All the teams are California. A lot of the guys run out of... Um, the top guys run out of either California or Florida, Florida. Mm. right? So he's not really riding with those top guys all the time. I think he does go a little bit back and forth with um, in California. But you look at that and you go, okay, what's the chance of him actually going to be making it to that next level? You know, he's not he's not with that. Look at the star guys. Um, you look at the guys like 
uh, Romano, um, Kids Russia. They're yeah. all in that start. They all but move I, together and train together. I honestly think that is not a good thing because no, you look at all these guys that, that, are, that are on teams as amateurs, like Fry and Thrasher and. Um, who's the other one? That kitchen. I think he had his debut on the weekend as well. Yeah, yeah. But it, that model of being that factory amateur kid isn't working anymore. But the pressure, is like here's here's no. Here's what well, I who's think. The, who's the last one that was a the star amateur that's gone on to do much? Well, Cooper wasn't. Cooper wasn't. He's done a lot. AC Coop. was right. I mean, look, there's your ACs, your Danger Boys, your Ferries. They're they're, they're not. In, yeah, but they're not in this conversation. The guys, like you know, Thrasher won a race. He won a Supercross race. No, he Jaleek, did. He Jalik did. Swole has won a race this mm-hmm. year. These guys that have been around that, they've got they're still winning races. Whether what's, or not they like what's the I mean, ratio of, yeah. of, of Thrashers and Jaleeks winning in their first or second year to guys that come in and get clipped? I mean, there's there's an endless list over the last decade of amateurs that have done two seasons and then done. done and are literally oh, I agree. done in the sport. And to me, like you look at you probably can't classify everybody in this thing, but um I look at Liam Everts. Yeah. Stefan Everts' kid and how they're doing it. He's not on a team. No. Now, obviously, Stefan's got fantastic connections, backing, and money to do it, same as Danger Boy, mm. where they don't need the team. But, you know, I look at how he just got on the podium in his first EMX race. He's been doing the British Championship. They've been floating around doing internationals. He I, doesn't have anyone telling him, you've got to go ride MX2 next year. Yeah. Then you're going to graduate. To, like, there's no team... Stefan's going to say... Oh, I think Stefan and Harry Everts is a team in itself. Yeah, it is, but that's what I'm getting at. Same with Brian Deegan, same with Tim Ferry. Like, these kids are on manufacturers' backing. But not running team programs. No, and like, even myself, I take so much inspiration, like, because I'm a mini dad, as much as I claim not to be. You yeah, know, you're a mini dad. Grayson races BMX already, he's just turned three. But, with that being said, everyone's like, oh, when's he getting a PW50? I'm like, he's not. <laughs> No, not yet, right? <laughs> oh, no. Uh, but, whoa, whoa, whoa. You said he's not. <laughs> no, no. But listen to my logic, right? Because they're like, oh, when's he going to race? I'm like, he's not. I'm like, he's going to race BMX. I said, I'm happy for him not to race motocross till he's on 85. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm like, he'll ride because he loves riding. I'm not going to push him if he wants to race, but I, I will hold him back from racing for as long <laughs> as I can because of the model that these other guys have established clearly works. Because you see all these hotshot juniors, I'd say ninety five percent of them when they go to the pros, it it doesn't last. Yeah, there's not a, there's sustainable. A, not sustainable because yeah. they're already burned out. They're already over yeah. it. Um, and that's the thing, like talking about what Mitch said about Livia. They're looking for guys that have speed but aren't riding all the time. Mm. If you're riding all the time, how much further can you go? Well, that's the thing. You have such an advantage over your competition that isn't on those bikes and yeah. isn't riding all the time. That so then, when they get that equipment and yeah. that program. Yeah, they might have the fitness and the and whatever because they're riding during the I week. You get a guy with I, speed. Dude, I know you you've can, lived it. I know yeah. you've lived it. But yeah. you can teach speed. Uh, you can't teach speed. You can teach fitness. Yeah, I don't know, man. I look at Romano and he's keeping up with like Colt Nichols at the moment and like the guys like on the star racing team. And mm. if you're going to tell me that going to school until you're 14 and then he's like 17. No, I'm saying no, he's for actually each, younger. I'm know, saying each kid is on their own journey. Yeah. I agree. And trying to one size fits all. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Well, I you agree. look at what well, Justin Cooper went all the way through high school. Like yeah. wasn't a, you know, was wasn't a 252 stroke when I was over there and he was racing the A class and he won minios on a 252 stroke Yamaha that looks like it come out of the back of the shed. Yeah, he bet hard raft, he bet like... The, that's another one, wasn't he? A hot shot junior that was coming through? You know, a lot of them are, but the thing that we're probably forgetting to talk is like, oh, the kids that went to school, but they were still winning. They just went to school, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, anyway, interesting. Interesting you know? little... Uh, segway. Segway. 
Yeah. I know uh, either cream. of you two are going to eat those donuts because I'm starving. Oh, yeah, shout out to the 7-Eleven up the road and Krispy Kremes. I paid full retail for the sponsorship, <laughs> but they've been getting getting hoed into this afternoon. It's been good. No one answered my question. Yeah. No, you haven't. Suck it's, all down, you. it's all you. Don't just, let them touch the sides Oh, is either. there a single glaze left? Yeah, you want that? I've already had one. No, I'm good. Shout out to Krispy Kreme for bringing out the caramel uh, glazed. I don't know if you've had that or not, but it's a delicious Dude, treat. do you know what yeah. I've been smashing lately? The the white Twixes, white chocolate Twixes. Yeah, do you know what I've been smashing lately? Can we say it on the show? <laughs> 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 Sorry. Other than that. <laughs> oh, that was a good one. Uh, no. <laughs> Guzman and Gomez. Yes. Always. And some fat ass Jack and Cokes. Dude, we, uh, when we went to Primex the other day at um, Mayland, mm. we literally ate um, GYG, yep. like breakfast, lunch and dinner two days in a row. And then I was doing my accounting the other day on the business card because we just put all the food on the business card we travel. And um, <laughs> it's like, it was like a page of transactions and it was just like GYG Maitland, GYG Maitland. I'm like, wow, we ate a lot of Mexican. We sucked, man. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I love Guzman and Gomez. It's probably Once my you've been in America, though, yeah. you just get a love for Mexican food, eh? Oh, mate, that's all I really eat. Like, everyone says, why do you put hot sauce on everything? Like, because that's what I just Used did. To do, yeah. yeah. Um, Let's talk 450s because we kind of yeah, bypassed that. Ferrandez. Oh, dude. So Ferrandez. Stop so that, man. You he is unreal. Do you, I don't see anyone beating him this year um, in the championship. I no. that about Kyle Webster. Yeah. Yeah, he but... beaten. Different. That, that's not... Yeah, it's... it's he, his level right now yeah. is... His intensity... He, I mean, I remember the first time I watched Ferrandez ride in person. Yeah, was when he first went to the states. It was 2016 mm-hmm. when he signed for Stav in 17. You remember? And I remember watching him ride it the whole week. They he got there. He rode Paris. He rode Glen Helen. He rode Polly. Rode all the tracks we were at. So this day, and I've seen a lot of fast guys ride. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever seen anyone go around a rut as fast. It, did you ever ride Paris when you were there? No, I rode. <clears throat> I was East Coast. Yeah, you never rode to Cali, did you? Um, the Paris is like, imagine ride park dirt. You know how good the ruts get there, mm-hmm. but not Australian dirt, like American good dirt. Like yeah. the ruts are Sick. as high as your shroud, but they they Slow wave up and, and nice. you can get as low as you want. Um, to this day, I've never seen someone go around a, a rut as fast oh. as he was going on that Star 250. And then I was just sitting there listening to that Star 250 going, oh my goodness, mm. that thing I, is insane. I'll tell you a bit of a... Backstory, I went to the New Zealand um, Nationals for juniors. It was like a world championship. Okay. The one that Jay Wilson won. I went there to watch. What year was that? Like 2009? I reckon it was a while ago. And uh, Dylan Fernandes went there. Oh, he was there? He was there. On 85? He rode, he, he rocked up and it was this bike that he found over in New Zealand and he had all the bud racing parts and the bike literally looked like it come out of the back of a shed, like it was blown out. I remember my dad and I come up and had a chat with him. He spoke bugger all English, mm. just talked about the bike and where it came from and it was sick, right? He still speaks bugger all English. Yeah, he His doesn't. His post-race interviews are the hardest <laughs> thing. They, so, they are, yeah. So he goes out there and still to this day, I've never seen an 85 rider hold it on as like as hard as he did. He was untouchable man. Yeah, he was yeah. faster than every other bloke out there by like oh I think it was like five or six seconds at a world stage event. Uh, yeah, yeah. And like, mate, it wasn't until he came through a set of rollers, fully wicked, 
fully sideways and binned it and broke his wrist that he didn't win that championship. Like, I love Jay, but Jay will agree with me. He was ripping that year. No, that right. was the I, first, didn't, I didn't know that. That yeah. was the first taste of Dylan Frandes as I've ever seen. And then I remember seeing him at um, the GPs for Bud Racing Kawasaki and then yeah. he eventually transferred over to the uh, AMA. But, mate, that dude... He is the real his, deal. His dude. will to win as mm. well. He's so determined. Like when you look at him on the post race interviews, all he cares about is winning. Yeah, he's super charismatic, but at the same time, you can tell like when he puts that helmet on. Yeah, like the way he's charging. Yeah, it's it's refreshing. It really is because I don't know, man. Like you look at Roxon, you look at Tomac, you look at Barsha. Like they can't seem to do it. Maybe this is just his year. Like, you know when Roxon had his year in 16 yeah. and he was untouchable on the RCH Suzuki? He maybe, just doesn't settle. You maybe this that? is like... No, no he will just pushing. keep... Like, that, that that first moto, him and Barsha... Hounded him. Like, Barsha is the last person you want to try and pass when you're in championship lead. Yeah. Um, Just let him have it, man. It's the last lap. And he's no. just trying to go around the outside. I'm like, what are you doing? Did you Bam see Bam's that triple gonna... up? He went triple up double and then they drag raced up that hill and then that downhill did you see how fast those boys were ripping down that hill the only person that went faster down that hill all day was jeremy martin when he passed cooper yeah that was pretty fast that was like stupid hail mary <laughs> like i don't know how i'm gonna make this turn except oh. he knows the track inside it. i don't know but yeah yeah that hill is that's a long hill man it's a big one man and it's so impressive for uh, and those yamahas mate unreal yeah yeah Before placing we- uh there it is, yep. Before we wrap up, we need to speak about it. I don't really want to, but we need to. The absolute disappointment that was X Games. Yeah, well, there's a few things I want to talk about. Let's chat about X Games, and then we do need to talk about Prime X and what's going on. <laughs> Nothing's going on here in Australia, but we need to talk about that, unfortunately. So let's talk about the Monster Energy Games. I mean, X Games. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the Slayground Games. I don't know, man. Look, you can't say it was disappointing in the sense of the guys that went there were throwing down... Uh, I've me, you, we, we've chatted about this before, me and you, Donnell. Like, I feel like... When what, Tom Prejez was throwing best tricks as every trick in his run, going back two years... Well, even the heritage of X Games. Like, when I was a kid... It was the Holy Grail. Like, there like, was nothing bigger. 30,000 people with the LA Coliseum, Deegan and Pastrana doing 360s. I was like 14 back then. That's why I wrote Freestyle in the end at that point when I was younger because I wanted... Like that, like it was the thing to do to see it go from that to a live streamed. And I know it was because of COVID, and I know it was yeah. this, I know it was that. But even the years prior, as soon as it left LA, it's just not the same anymore, man. And and this is no disrespect to any of the riders that were there. I mean, the craziest of, they, they threw down, man, you know. When you're saying multiple front flips in a run, I get that is impressive. It was just the <laughs> shout out to Tom P, my boy. Congrats on the uh, gold. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that is your boy, That isn't is it? my boy, dude. <laughs> dude, Tom yeah. P is the man, and he's like 38 or he's 9. He's older like, than me. Yeah, he's dude, an old, old dude, but he's a legend. His man. whips Can are... Stroll. Did you ride at his house? I rode at his house, and I rode with him uh, quite a few times. Because yeah. one of my best mates, Jordan Hoover, is like long-time friends with him. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, hey, do you want to go riding with Tom P? And I like fanboyed out, because he can throw some. Sick whips, you know? Yeah, yeah. And at that time, 2018, he was actually riding with a thumb throttle. Yeah, because his wrist yeah, was his wrist yeah, broken. Yeah. And, and I was like, can I have a ride of that thing? <laughs> Dude. <laughs> Talk about whiskey throttle. <laughs> Dude, a 450 KTM with a thumb throttle. <laughs> Dude, I remember I come off a jump. <laughs> I tried to wick that thing. <laughs> I about did a backflip. My legs fell off and shit. 
Dude, oh. that's awesome. I can I can imagine how sketchy that would be. But but the overall I mean, like atmosphere yes. around it, like it was there it was, was some gnarly shit going down, but it just didn't seem like X Games. It should have been the Slay Ground Games presented by X Games. Yeah. Or did you see the? Did you actually look at any of the other events like the yeah, skating? Yeah, I watched all like of it. Yeah, the yeah. Casey um, Dream Dreamyard BMX. Yeah, was like, that yeah. was weird, and like the ramps weren't that good, and like the street skating was the only thing that seemed sort of normal because it was still on a concrete. I mean, hats off to park. X Games to give Keep the guys mm. a platform to make money because if you're in action sports last two years you are, yeah. you are struggling because there's no shows there's no events the top guys are still getting their energy drink money but a lot of those energy drink contracts got cut uh, to bare bones because they weren't doing events to yeah, promote I, the I brands. don't think people like, understand that money ain't what it, what you think it is it is and it isn't I mean yeah to, to say that some of the, the better known I mean I'm not going to name names but there's, there's there's guys I know that are on energy drink deals and what they get paid in in AU you know, yeah, some of it's around the 100K mark because it's less than that in American dollars. Yeah, it's good money, but you got to look at the expenses you have to have to be. I mean, look, I'm not saying that a Jacko Strong's making that. He's probably making more from Monster, mm. but think about how many athletes Monster have. Like, it's not, not everyone's getting a million bucks. Well, you look at that, that you know, field alone, what was there? You'd have four or five Monster guys, two, two Red Bull guys, guys, and a Rocks. Yeah. Yeah, vice versa. Whatever. Whatever right? it is. Yeah. And then Old Mate in Quarter Pipe who just had the. Um, and you drink the thing is though like motocross is so different to skating and um, BMX in that sense because I mean people make money off video parts right like if you're a skater you do a video part for a, a, a do they still do that though is yeah, so, yeah, yeah but has socials job. has socials not replaced that no nah, yeah. dude YouTube, nah. YouTube, YouTube skate parts massive, massive. Like, okay, okay. skating BMX Thrasher magazine and like, um, like I was scrolling through YouTube today and like Colt BMX, like they yeah, just dropped huge. their new video part, and it's still it's massive. Okay, I I didn't understand it was still because I remember when I was younger, so it was a thing. I didn't know that it's still a thing. Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. something like, um, for examples, like Doonies or something like that, that had a bit of hype built around it for Moto. Yeah, like it's at a higher level than that, and it's yeah, like okay. you know, it's or Slayground Three, or you know, mm, whenever Axel or, does a video part or. Yeah, but it's like for Red Bull, the, you know how they have like the wings and, and, and they have yeah. like that whole series. It's like, oh, they go do like something. They film for Red Bull and it's sick, you know, mm. like they Dude. still do that type of stuff and that's yeah. how they make their money. But for re- for actual X Games, I can see what you're saying. And I agree. The production's definitely gone down. It seems like the actual event itself has been a little bit downgraded. But at the same time, let's not, you know, I don't want to shit on it. I don't want to shit on it too because hard. Because who knows what the future is going to no, bring that, for them? It. You know, it might just be COVID. We just had to have it. I mean, I think the future. Uh, there is a future in events for web-based streaming. Yeah. For for free ride for moto for skate like that, there there that, is a business model there for that. I have that no doubt. Model for what they did is that is something that could happen in the future. But just don't not for X Games. Just don't call it X Games because. Yeah. yeah. Monster uh, Monster Energy Jam at Slayground. Yeah, and I mean, look there. Well, and, I mean, and we've you, been we've been talking about some inside dirt jams and ride days and things that we want to maybe yeah. explore putting on. That was basically an excuse to just party <laughs> for me. <laughs> but well, and and you look look at some of like Darnell's favourite. Um, platforms OnlyFans um, oh, <laughs> 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 Pornhub Premium Pornhub exactly well, yeah. that you know they, yeah. they serve a purpose and they <laughs> <laughs> they, may, they uh, use it gets what they want every time gonna, you know I'm putting this out there I've never once 
paid for an OnlyFans or anything like that. I have looked at a lot of them, but I've <laughs> well, never paid I mean, for any of them. That's what the Inside Dirt Network card is for, really, yeah. isn't it? You know, Yeah, the company card, right? Yeah. 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 There was all those charges on your card about GYG. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into the Australian... Yeah, so let's chat there. about... Yeah. Um, well, there's not much to chat about, man. Unfortunately, we are back in... Square one. The same situation we were last year, and you can't blame MA for it. You can't... You know, it, it is what it is, man. The governments have done their thing again, and um, here we are. That's the thing. I think a lot of people out there are looking at it, and they're like, oh, they should just run the events. It's like, well, they're, they're in a position where they're damned if they do, and they're damned if they don't. If they run the event... Oh, God, yeah. i got to sort this You just hold out. that. Yeah. If they run the event, then people are going to have an issue with it. If they don't run the event, people are well, you can't. You There's can't no run win the, in this situation. Like, again, me and you have talked about this in the office. We need to do an episode. I think this would be real, and you probably agree, Andy, right? The, the, the level of complexities within our industry for putting on events yeah. and funding, logistics, like you've got the promoter, the, the governing body now, MA, you've got all the manufacturers, you've got all the teams, you've got the sponsors, like all of these people come from all over the country and you have to get them to one place with the way the, the country is right now. Very difficult, number one. Then number two, it's got to make financial sense to go racing with sponsors, with TV packages, with... Um, you know, corporate with, with hospitality, like all the things that a lot of racers don't even think about that goes on. You think about like what we saw at Maitland, even when the, you know, the pits were closed for the public. Mm. And how quickly that weekend evolved, man. Like, like 72 hours, really. Dude, like no, we, 24 hours, dude. Yeah. We, it, from when we got there to when we left, the situation had changed that many times because they're doing their daily press conferences and everything. And like it, it, I think there's more to it. And all the, there's a lot of people going, oh, you know, think about the privateers and the money and whatever. I think, like, going to an event like this, say these privateers travel all the way to, what, the next round was supposed to be Aubrey. Yeah. Someone from North Queensland travels all the way down to and Aubrey. two days before. And then two days before the event gets cancelled. At least this time, they've got two weeks in advance. They can prepare and go, right, at least we're not going to have to drive two and a half days or whatever it is to get down here, try and find somewhere to stay, somewhere, somewhere to ride, yeah. put all these expenses out to not go racing. It's the right call. <clears throat> the country's a mess right now politically. And um, Well, look, I, I was pretty bummed out myself because I was in fine form to race the 125 Cup coming look, up. Yeah, and, you've ridden you know, what, once? <laughs> and I've, I've been in, uh, in the gym... Um, once or twice, and then you know, I was really looking forward to racing. What happened? Is there, because bar, is there a bar called the gym now? Is there? Yeah, no, there is. You, dude, you were in really good shape at the end of last year. You came to my house and we did that run, and you were. I still like, am. Like, yeah. I still am in pretty good shape. <laughs> oh, sorry. Just, oh, sorry. <laughs> talking a bit of shit on the podcast. I yeah. mean, I still go to gym and stuff, but it's not bike fit, you know. Well, now you got to. Well, do you do fixed crank bicycle rides around the city? And, usually and fixed, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If I can't, you know, I uh, usually just go. To and you have your three quarter length pants on so they don't get caught in the chain. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did see. Yeah, there you go. Try and rip me again. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, it is. Okay. Just stop fucking with it. Well, it's it's cuts in and out and it's doing me head in. Well, you're so animated. Just uh, sit still. No, it's. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> moving on. I don't even care anymore. I don't want to say it. No, that's right. It's all right. You're a city slicker. It's fine. We'll remind you for that. I am but. a city cat yeah. now. And uh, you know what I tried the other day? And it was delicious. A, a pumpkin latte. Oh, what? No, fucking close. Bullshit. <laughs> close. Uh, the missus got a uh, soy chai latte with a shot of coffee, which apparently they call the dirty chai. 
I miss you drinks that all the time. It was really good. Mate, <laughs> game changer. Really? I tried that and I never tried them in my life. And I'm not really proud to admit it because I feel like I'd get bullied online. But you know what? I'm a uh, dirty chai guy now. I, so. I had something similar. I went to the pub the other night and got a Jack and Coke with a uh, shot of Fireball in it. Wow. And it tastes like the little Coke bottle lollies that you had when you were a kid. Really? Mm. It's like a Skittle bomb. You ever one of those? <laughs> Have I ever Have had, I had, had it? <laughs> oh, I don't know, man. I'm old. I, I don't, don't drink do white, that. mate. <laughs> Uh, or like white Galliano in lemonade, it's delicious. Well, anyway, well, well this I think I have a drinking problem. Yeah, you, that's that's this. what I was saying before. <laughs> um, so yeah, unfortunately, Primax. Look, we're back in September. Yeah, I think that's a safe time frame, and then it's look, it's going to be on for the the last quarter of the year because you're going to have the conclusion of Primax and possibly a super. We cross. don't have an announcement yet. The the inside industry, you know, there's there's rumors going back and forth about what Supercross is exactly going to look like. I don't want to speculate and put it out in the show because I don't know. You got to think at this point Ozex Open is not going to happen. You got to think that. Yeah, I think in the lack of international travel was always going to put yeah. a damn And the crowds, like I think you're going to see an Australian Supercross series with a handful of rounds. Uh, maybe if travel gets easier, possibly a WA round, but likely East Coast only. I don't, I don't want to speak on uh, AME's behalf. They haven't put anything out. So I'm purely speculating, so don't take this to the bank, anybody, what I'm saying. Uh, dude, at two hours and 20 minutes, <laughs> I don't think anyone's listening anymore anyway. You'd be surprised, man. You would be surprised. Yeah, I got surprised. I got called <laughs> up today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, do we talk about that? Uh, I don't care. I mean, it's long enough into the show, but uh, no, nah, we'll, no. we'll address that in a later time. But Andy didn't make uh, everyone his friend after his debut on the AMX Moto Online, Moto Online you know recap what, show. <clears throat> um, doesn't always get a laugh, but that show business, isn't it? You know? <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. To, to be continued, because uh, we'll, we'll talk about it more. But um, all right, well, two hours, 20 minutes in. I think we've covered everything. We had some great guests in the MXGP edition of the Inside Dirt Show slash us just talking absolute, absolute waffle. Um, shout out to all the listeners that came in with the questions. We want to keep that going and get some more interaction going. So we appreciate that. Um, man, shout out to everyone that's, that's still sticking with us on this Inside Dirt journey. I know I keep saying there's more content coming and we're doing big things with the website. Um, there is. And we're pushing it, but we're very busy with a lot of things here at ID Media Group. So we also um, can't go anywhere to do anything. Well, look, the vlog. Shout out to everyone that watched the vlog. We really enjoyed making the first one at uh, Maitland. Now there's no events, <laughs> and we can't go anywhere or do anything again. So it's going to be a little difficult yeah. to, to get content. But look, be patient, guys. The loyal fan base that we have and listeners, you guys are great. Please keep sharing, keep liking. Please keep giving Andy crap. Um, yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah. We heaps. appreciate that. And uh, just a quick shout out to everyone in Sydney, uh, New South Wales, and uh, Victoria. I know the lockdowns are pretty tough. Um, we're gonna get through this. We'll be fine. Pretty you tough, know? dude. They suck up. They suck. Yeah, but you terrible. know what? It's terrible. It's, uh, it is what it is. We can make it through it. And yeah. uh, just listen to the podcast. And all. It's two hours of your time that you can listen to us. So. Exactly. And we can we can ease some of that. <laughs> I've seen a fire in your eyes. And when you said it is what it is. Yeah. Let's just not talk. You know me. Don't, I can't say half what I want to say on the air. So yeah. let's just not even worry about it. But yes, um, yeah, it sucks. We'll, well, I don't even want to say. But let's round this up. Please like, please write, please subscribe, please share. That wasn't words. Please, dude. I'm tired. It's been a big day. Please do all those things that you guys are doing so well. We really appreciate it. Uh, and with that being said, um, we've got. 
Well, we've got a long time before any Primax, so we'll probably do another Inside Dirt show here. Uh, next week. No, no, next week, but, you know, a couple of weeks maybe. We'll chat some more MMXGP, maybe get some other guests on. Like, Wilson Todd, I hope Wilson Todd didn't. Oh, man, I didn't check my Instagram. Well, I'm um, actually going to do a podcast in between. So, oh, yeah? Yep. Uh, he Wilson Todd two hours ago. I should be all right. Okay, well. My He's bad, not. Wilson. Next one. We'll get Wilson on next time. Well, that's the other thing too. I don't think, did we discuss it a little bit? Was Bailey went over there to ride AMX on a... On a note. freshly recode knee and... About three days notice. Yeah, shout out to him. We tried to get him on the show. The schedule didn't work out. But man, Bailey, again, another Aussie over there trying to make it work. So um, we keep saying we're going to finish this one here. So let's <laughs> wrap it up. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, please share. Please keep it moving. Uh, shout out to all the sponsors on the intro. We appreciate you guys being involved. And uh, with that being said, Andy, Donnell Official. See you guys soon.